Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 240. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And Connor is also here. Still can't get rid of me. Trying his bad luck since 2016. Uh, we tried antibiotics and it was a no-go. <laughs> we tried to cut off the ginger growth that has Connor on this podcast. <laughs> you say that, but all, all things considered, if if... Me dragging this show down is, is the, the, the bench line for 2016. I, I still think we're above average for that year of, of end results by now. <laughs> I mean... I'm just saying, Connor is basically antibiotic resistant. That's all. He's the new strain. Oh. I... So what was it like? MRS something or other? MRSA, <laughs> well, what are... Wait, what are your initials? That's what we'll just go with. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> CR21. That's what this, this is. This, this is a DC Comics podcast. Shambles. We talk about DC Comics uh, every week. Coming up on this week's show, we got Mesa Lissus, of course, to talk about, but in terms of the actual books, we'll be talking about Future State Dark Detective, issue 3, Future State Justice League, issue 2, Future State Superman Wonder Woman, issue 2, Future State Kara Zorel Superwoman, issue 2, and Future State Teen Titans, issue 2. Uh, plus Rorschach issue 5 came out this week, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and Connor's got a Patreon book that he looked at this week, uh, Undiscovered Country issue 12 to be specific. So uh, that is what's coming up on this week's show as we get closer and closer to that uh, 250 benchmark, that milestone. More like a kidney stone. <sighs> Pretend you like the show, Matt. I mean, I, I think it's good for morale. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, mean, sure. If, you if, know. If, if Matt hadn't jumped in with that, I, I was going to do a nice, neat segue into news because th th there's milestone news. No one cares about milestone, though. No. <laughs> oh my oh, god. You have just insulted Pete's, a lot of people. Pete's about to get cancelled. <laughs> For dissing milestone. He's going to go He's gonna go start his own other news <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh... Milestone's cool, though. Like, come on, Static Shock. Right? That's the extent of my knowledge. An icon. An icon. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. I'll go to some of the news. Some of the news. We, we, got, we got Solicis to talk about. We got the whole shebang. Uh, May Solicis specifically, but... Yes. Um, I thought we agreed that shebang is now Shazadam. <laughs> the whole Shazadam. Yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, dear. What happens when I have two cups of coffee, guys? <laughs> I'm actually this is a weird Saturday for me too I was up shockingly early today uh, so I, I I've 4pm no no it was, it was the a.m. I was up in the a.m. today oh, uh, 11am 11.59 uh, <laughs> it was just before 10 look normally on a Saturday I get up in just enough time to shower and read my books and then it's time to record that's usually my Saturday he means uh, like 5pm no, I need more time than that to read my books. That's how quick he reads, does. I'm not um, that quick. I, I, I'll probably read about three or four books an hour if I'm going at a nice casual pace. Mm. So, I need a couple hours, usually. But anyway, we're here to talk about my my shocking Saturday routine. I, but to be honest, I got a good night's sleep for the first day. I feel like I've been having lots of shorter sleeps, but then naps to make up for it, and it's been making me... Kind of awkward, like grumpy, like throughout the week. So I am oh, pleased. I, I can testify to that. To uh, shut up. Uh, I I can testify <laughs> to, 
Oh, I had a good night's sleep is what I'm trying to say, okay? I had a good night's sleep. Um, now we're going to ruin that good mood for and, you. And I will not be brought down by this ginger abortion survivor that is Connor, okay? First job. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I come from a deeply Catholic family, so no abortions are happening there. <laughs> well, they tried. <laughs> You're like, nope. Uh, CR21 will be here. <laughs> Uh, for the record, that, that that was kind of a reference to it's always sunny because Charlie was an, an abortion yes. survivor. That was the the joke. Uh, I, I do have a dark sense of humor. I, I don't know if I quite went that dark on my own without the uh, the prompting. <laughs> without the prompting. Yes, uh, but I do think it's very funny. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I recently rewatched the thick of it, and I've been just casually dropping in quotes without thinking about it, and. Things like, you know, when someone was messing up, I was like, oh, you're about as on the ball today as a dead seal. Which is a quote from that, and someone just gave me the dirtiest look. I was like, oops. Is that someone Paige? <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Okay. Nah, she'll, she'll yeah. at least be vaguely aware of the, 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 the niche TV that he watches that no one else has watched. Yeah, uh, but I, I just thought it was like a how dare you say that to me <laughs> look. Don't yeah. use your crappy TV lines on me. Yeah. How dare you. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, you know, we did a, a vote for the top fifty TV shows of all time. The Mail Fuzz TV community uh, <laughs> sent in their their list, their best of lists, and the second half of the results revealing the top twenty five is uh, when this goes out, it'll be today. In fact, this will this comics podcast will go up a couple hours earlier than normal for the public because the live premiere of the top two, the top fifty uh, part two is is happening. Uh, so by the time you hear this, it's probably too late to go check it out. Uh, but I just want everyone to know that one of Carter's favorite shows, The Thick of It, uh, did not even come close to placing uh, remotely on that list. I just I'll be surprised if it even got one submission, frankly. Um, but <laughs> wait, I'd have to check. didn't you put in a submission? No, no I, I didn't. didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't because I didn't wait. So I rounded up Alden and some other people to submit stuff, and you didn't even do one. Hey, no, Matt, other people, uh, Tara submitted a list. You submitted a list. Yeah, I submitted no, a I list. I know, but like, yeah. on the DL, there was maybe some collusion. Collusion? What collusion? I, 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 no I collusion! I tweet Alden as well and be like, hey, do, go, go kind yeah. of push to your crowd and get rebels on there. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 Connor couldn't even follow through. You <laughs> I didn't uh, have time. CR21 strikes again. <laughs> Because this was actually right before we started the show. Uh, CR twenty one is basically Connor as a virus. Just the uh, yes. just just you know. I honestly thought that was on the show. No, that was before so the show. I. No shambles. Uh, I'm making on it clear. I make it clear. It once again. If if it sounds similar to a, a name of a certain thing right now, that's because it was yeah. intended to be. Yeah. Uh, why do people watch us? <laughs> For this. <laughs> For this, right here. This is this is the gotcha. gold that they, they come for. Uh, people, find help, please. Yes. <laughs> this is the quality content that drives people to buy our merch, apparently. Yeah. Uh-huh. We got merch. Yeah. Matt, you've got yeah. your own t-shirt now. I know. I kind of want to buy the Connor one, but it's orange, uh. so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it was red, sure, but orange, no go. Uh, orange is a banned color in this household. <laughs> 
So what about Orange? Oh, my wife's favorite uh, baseball team. Their rival are Black and Orange. So it's uh -oh. a yeah. So mm -hmm. which sucks when you know before the Knights, my favorite hockey team was the Ducks, and that's one of their colors. So I had to you know just retro merch, uh, the purple and jade, you know. But uh, yeah, Orange is a no go. Halloween's weird. Halloween's weird. I get to Halloween with the orange. You did black yeah, and orange. Hard. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, lots of purples, lots of blacks, lots of greens. Hardly any orange. Pumpkins? Nope. That's a lie. We have pumpkins. <laughs> Look, it's kind of the natural. Can be made. Yeah, it's kind of the natural color. There's not unless you paint them. There's yeah. not really much you can do about you can get it. White ones. Yeah, we we got a white one this year. We went out and did a pumpkin picking thing. It was real cool. Oh. But. uh but yeah, we had a nice uh, white one that went bad real quick. Uh, it was not white for very long. <laughs> once, once it was separated from the stem, uh, became a, a zombie pumpkin. Maybe that's why they don't use white pumpkins for Halloween, yeah. because they go bad too quick. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, also, you know that uh, pumpkins that, that like you, you make pumpkin pie a thing over there? Not they, really. It exists. Like I, yeah, uh, but it's not like a... No, I mean the, the whole like, even like pumpkin yeah. spice is a thing. Yeah. Only really became a thing over here in the last couple of years, and even that's barely. I've met one yeah. person who who baked a pumpkin pie, and that is the extent of the pumpkin pie interaction I've had. Yeah, and but I was I was, saying, I, I was I was you know thirty four years old before I realized that you don't make pumpkin pie out of the jack o' lantern pumpkins. <laughs> they have small little sugar pumpkins that they make pumpkin pie out of, and not a clue. So, I mean, it's, it's it's you can say the same with like any so like like apple pie you use you know, use cooking apples don't you? you don't just you know take any yeah but I don't know when when it becomes such an uh, identified part of the holiday season right and it's on all the things it's like an apple's an apple right like a red apple looks like a red apple these these are small tiny pumpkins mm -hmm. that they you know so it's just it's not the same it's weird but uh, anyways. Milestone Comics coming at you in 2021. Probably. Maybe. Yeah, I get excited. I, I, I suppose... not, not according to Pete, though, because no one cares about Milestone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There are dozens of you, okay? Dozens. If if you care about Milestone Comics, hashtag I care. <laughs> treat that at Pete. All right, would you? Wubble89, hashtag I care about Milestone. Or whatever. Be creative. Whoa. It's not my job. I'm here for banter. You know. Yeah. Milestone and, and Wildstorm and all these other sure. imprints that like, we can bring back. More like Tombstone Comics. Am I right? <laughs> uh, if this is the banter that we have Matt for, what, what's the point? I'm just saying maybe I shouldn't have two cups of coffee before the show again. Mm. I think next week we should have three just to see how this is before we can push this. If we end up recording at a different time to usual, you might need three. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I remember the doctor telling me back in October when I was I was having some gut issues and maybe heart stuff. He's like, you're going to have to not drink coffee. I was like, do you want the murder rate to go up, sir? <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. Okay, just one cup. So I, as I've been good... This is the first time I've had multiple, mm. and uh, yeah, firing on all cylinders here. Well, with all that said, May's DC Comics solicits. We will dive in, uh, and we do have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Some of the stuff we kind of revealed last week. Uh, I say we, you know, <laughs> they were revealed last <laughs> week, and we discussed them. 
We uh, broke all these stories. Yes. Uh, yes. But we'll work through the solicits as we always do. Uh, and when we get to the, the one milestone thing that's there, I'll sort of I'll tangent out into the other article about the other things that are related. Uh, so, first up, just go by the order they're on the article here, if you're looking at Newsarama uh, and their list. Uh, Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, issue one. This is the six issue mini uh, with the, the sort of the reintroduction of Shiloh Norman uh, as Mr. Miracle. Uh, with uh, writing by Brandon Easton and art by Ifiko Ozio, if I'm pronouncing that remotely right. Uh, but uh, so Easton has been doing the backup, right, and the Superman mm. books. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of kind of know what to expect. Maybe not with the art, but you know what to expect with the writing at least. Um, uh, so real quick, when it comes to this format on the site, yes. is this the first time they've done it like this? Because I don't remember it being portioned like this. I think I think they've changed it slightly. Yeah, I think they've reformatted. Okay. I like it. I. Because you know, got a little jump to side on here, it makes it easy to go through and sorted. Uh, so I think that's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just noticed. Yeah, they've got. A, you can yeah. skip to the trades if you want. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's neat. Neat. It's on the uh, up top on the side. Little bar. And it's just it's a little bit cleaner. You know, they're not all you know kind of jammed together like they were. No, that's not that for me. I'm on an older version, clearly. <laughs> there, is, there is no bar. CR21 uh, at play. Clearly, even, you're watching this show. Even the May solicits uh, are not safe from CR21. Nope. It might be because I have it on a vertical screen, though, so it might be moved somewhere else. Yeah. We need to make a shirt that says marked safe from CR21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume 21 just because it's the year right now, Matt, right? That's, yeah. that's why you picked that. Yeah, okay. yeah. that's the variant. Yeah. And the next year, he'll... It'll <laughs> CR22. CR he'll have mutated. He'll have mutated yeah. <laughs> CR22. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Uh, oh. That's really exciting. Oh, oh, Joe, we need... We need to get the, the, the actor. I mean, basically, he's like 40 now. But we need to get the actor from Home Alone who says, Kevin, you're such a disease, and have him replace <laughs> Kevin with Connor. Connor. He's probably on a... <laughs> Whatever that website is where you can get them to record uh, fan cameo. messages. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Might yeah. be on there. Make it, Corey, you're such a disease. Uh, uh, and have them be on a CR21 <laughs> shirt. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Girl issue one is next. Now, we were looking forward to this. Uh, and we yep. said there's some speculation last week due to some wording uh, that suggested that it might have stopped being a mini and started being an ongoing. Uh, and that seems to be the case. Mm. So. Good news! This is the Joel Jones, mm -hmm. uh, both writing and uh, on art, and uh, Shara Floor uh, in the present day, seeing what her mm -hmm. I assume origin and yeah, so, uh, I I just hope this doesn't go the same way as Catwoman did with Jones, you know, almost biting off more. You know, if if she works a weave where she does you know x amount of issues drawing, you know, but as long as she keeps up the the writing that's been in Future State, yeah, there you are. I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, dare I say, Catwoman almost kind of suffered a little bit by not really having that much buzz once it started coming out. Whereas yeah. I think this already has insane buzz from Future mm -hmm. State. People are all all, all about yeah. Yara Flora right now. I mean, I think we're all pretty much of the same opinion that Yara Flora is the best part of Future State, right? Easy, easy. Yes. So mm -hmm. why why wouldn't we want? Well, more come on, let's not count Deckstroke. More than that later. <laughs> really, really, really nice, which I'm going to have to splurge the money on. 
the Bilkis LV Evly uh, variant. Like you say, come on. You know, you say splurge the money on. That's just the regular variant. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I mean it's the cardstock. Card so it's an extra dollar. It's an extra but... dollar, but still. When we're talking about splurging for variants, though, yeah. you could be talking significantly <sighs> more than that. Yeah, but it's, it's a dollar for a more rigid cover. Like. Yeah, but it's, it's Evely who happened yeah, to work on the, the hit comic book issue, Wonder Woman issue 8. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but no, I also love Evely's art, so like it's there like you, you know, uh, it is very nice. But yeah, so so drawing drawing Yara like this is again. I haven't felt this way about a character since I started reading Kate Bishop, you know, last year, mm. which I know seems like a like just a jump on thing, but like Kate's great. It's an instant she thing. So Yara, I feel DC now has their not like they were trying to match, but I do feel the same energy. What's funny is we're going to have Kate Bishop in the, a Disney Plus show by the end of the year, give or take, and then we're mm-hmm. going to have Yara Flora on the CW, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, probably mid-season next Every- year. So Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Is Not Milestone, no. Nothing's coming up, Milestone. <laughs> uh, uh, everything's coming up, Milestone. That is the opposite of <laughs> Millhouse. <laughs> next up I is... I can't fe- wait for the angry tweets. Future State yeah, Gotham, funny. issue one. Uh, which we just have to be this, you know, last week when it comes yep. to news. This is the the anthology. The interesting part for me though about this is that it's going to be in black and white. Um, it, it mentions Ooh. it just in the solicit text, like you know, it's it's going to no, be you know, a black and white series. The whole series, or just the first arc. I mean, it says this black and white series, so I'm assuming hmm. beyond that. But I mean, they could change their mind. Yeah, it has B and W listed right there in the solicit. Interesting. Uh, so this is Josh Wilson and Dennis Culver writing with art by Yanis uh, Yano Yanis. Yanis Milo Yanis. Milo Yanis. Yes, there you go. Yanis Milo Yanis. Anyway, uh, so this is a uh, continuation of the Red Hood story. So it's kind of weird that it's starting with Red Hood, and we still kind of want to read it. <laughs> so credit credit to Williamson for making us want to continue that story. At least so far. We haven't read the second part yet, so maybe. Maybe I'll shut the bed in part two. Uh, it could happen. But so far, so far, we're not opposed to this. But anyway, so, but we know that, you know, the second arc might go on to be about uh, Nick's Batman. It might go on to be about uh, Huntress. It might go on to be about Grifter, even. Although Grifter's actually got back up in the, the, anthology, the actual... Red Hood, though. The anthology one. That's true, yeah, that's true. So that doesn't mean they can't double up with this book. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we've got a new thing that popped up this week, which is Legends of the Dark Knight, issue one. Uh, this is a digital first book. Uh, which is again its physical issue out in May. Uh, it'll be starting a little bit earlier digitally. Uh, this is Derek, or sorry, Derek Robertson writing, mm-hmm. uh, with art also by Derek Robertson. Um, I'll, I'll read this, the text for this. This is a, a completely new thing. The iconic series Legends of the Dark Knight is back. Comic icons and rising stars alike will tell uh, digital first stories across the Batman mythos, beginning with comics legend and co-creator of the boys, Derek Robertson, writing and drawing an epic three-issue supervillain crime drama. A new player has arrived on the scene in Gotham City and is selling deadly chemicals to the worst villains in town, Mr. Freeze and the Penguin, and even the Joker. It's up to Batman to stop the villains, track down the supplier, and save Gotham City once more. I mean, it sounds pretty, you know, typical story-wise, but uh, upcoming stories will have art by Stephanie Phillips, Brandon Thomas, Becky Clune, uh, Matt Rosenberg's going to be joining, I assume, on writing, uh, Brandon Easton, uh, and more. So I think what's interesting about that line you've just mentioned 
with all those creators is a lot of them are on Future State stories and Gotham mm -hmm. stories specifically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, Legends of the Dark Knight, to me, was always like, oh, we can go back and do Batman stories that are set early in his career. And so still be kind of in continuity, but we're doing stuff earlier in the timeline. So we can do, you know, his first meeting properly with a certain villain or his first encounter with this or that. Or, I mean, you could even go into the future a little bit if you wanted to. I mean, you could. I suspect right? this might be doing that more than the past. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the thing. And we, we talked about this, you know, when the next Batman Digital first came out. There's another one on here as well that I think it'll apply to where... Uh, I think we'll check this out on the show, but we'll check it out when it comes out in physical, even if we are reading the digital version. We'll treat it as it's... if we are reading the physical version, so there's enough to talk about, because the digital chapters are a bit on the slim side. The only thing, yeah. we, have to, the only thing we have to be careful of is that some digital books that go physical have two digital books per issue, and some have three per issue. You have to kind of watch and see what it is. These ones are two, they said in the announcement, which mm. is kind of weird on the pricing, because they're, they're 99 cents for the digital issues. But then it's a three ninety nine print book, so it is like double the cost if you want it in print. Uh, pages and paper and staples cost money, I guess. That's that's my. I mean, that is true, but <laughs> still, that's quite the quite the hike. It, it seems anyway, at least to me. What that says to me is that all the digital, all the other books should go down in price digitally uh, to have a similar. Well, they tried difference. that for like two years. Remember, only in some books. They didn't try it in every book. No, but. Quite a few went down like a dollar, didn't they? I'd be more than happy for them to try it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, for anyone interested, these uh, they, they did confirm it'll be the 10-page chapters digitally, because I think there is some coming up that are full issue length that will be digital as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, And they're starting digitally April 2nd, so about six weeks before this first issue drops in print. Yeah, so we'll look at it when it comes out physically, even if... I mean, I'll, I'll still be reading it digitally, but I'll be treating it as if I'm reading the, the physical one. Which is a little confusing, but it just makes sense. Yeah, I think what's interesting is how far behind this print will be, because by the time this issue drops in print, this entire first <clears throat> arc of you know, six digital chapters, I'm assuming, will be over. Yeah, and that's not that irregular, though, thing for these digital books. It varies, obviously, wildly between them. The, the, yeah. the, there doesn't seem to be a set thing. It seems to be different for every book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense. Two 10-page chapters, one 20-page comic. Because comics, you know, these days are usually 20 pages, the normal comic, so... Yep. It makes sense. Uh, so that's Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, and then Milestone Returns, Infinite Edition, Issue Zero. What an obnoxious title. <laughs> this is a... Uh, slightly oversized. Like, I'm just playing into the joke now, right? I, I... <laughs> Was it, did anyone have on their bingo card this week Pete take shots at Milestone? Not at all. <laughs> so this is a, a, about an angle size, it's a 48 page book, uh, $5, um, written by Reginald Hoodlin, art by Dennis Cowan, uh, Bill Zinkowitz and others, um, mm -hmm. and this leads into three digital first books which are coming later in the year which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, so this has got a main story which is kind of just to reintroduce the Mailstone comics and where they are now. Mm -hmm. Uh, the backup, though, is a 17-page primer story that was originally released online during the uh, the fandom event. So the actual back chunk of this is not new material, per se. It's just relevant material. It's, yeah, 24-page of new story, and then the rest is, yeah, you know, that digital yeah. story put into print. So that's what's coming out uh, in May. So this is uh, Mailstone Returns Infinite Edition Issue Zero. 
Um, and then the digital first that are coming later, which also got sort of a separate news item. Uh, Static's getting a book that's digital first. Uh, that's coming out. It, this was actually one that was already technically announced. It was meant to be coming out in February, uh, you know, this month. But uh, obviously got pushed back to tie into the rest of all this stuff. But that's coming out uh, in April. So this is still coming out a little bit before the uh, the one shot is. And then you have Icon and Rocket, which is coming out uh, starting June 21st digitally. Um, and then you have Hardware, which is coming out starting on August 23rd digitally. Uh, and these are six issue minis, uh, which would lead me to believe they're probably just normal size. Uh, they are. They meant yeah. well. We know for certain that Static is. They, sure. they mentioned that that is 20 pages per issue. And it's a reasonable assumption to assume that the others are, because they're all, you know, one of six. Yeah, so you'd expect six normal size issues. Uh, yes, uh, but all still digital first, I believe. I, uh, my jokes aside, I actually do think it's quite smart to try and do normal comic book formats with these smaller characters. It probably wouldn't sell a lot of physical books. This is probably quite a smart thing to try. Yeah, this is kind of what they had from the you know the what what started as the Walmart reprints, but have gone into original content since then. Yeah, which were well, they varied in page count between like fifteen and you know twenty five, but they were standard you know page layout. You know, not the half-page digital things. So, uh, you know, they've obviously got data that shows that it, it can work and can sell. So it definitely makes sense for them to try it more. Yeah, and if we are going to try these, then we can just try them when they come out. We, do, we don't have to wait for, you know, the, the shorter chapters to pile up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and these don't even have print editions announced yet. As of yet. I mean, I, I, they might just go straight to trade. It might be like, a you know, the, the physical just go straight to trade, maybe. That's, uh... That's what they're doing with the, the deceased digital. That's just going straight mm. to a hardcover um, release. There's no print singles. Yeah, so I can I can see that. Uh, next up, we have a one shot. Uh, DC love to occasionally do these big hundred page ten dollar one shots. Uh, well, this is coming from a fairly nice place though. This is DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian superhero celebration issue one, uh, with a long list of names. Uh, I think most of whom, if maybe not all, are Asian creators. Uh, um, yeah. But it seems like so. It. Yeah, it seems so. I mean, there's one or two that I don't actually know for sure, which is why I'm just putting in that maybe not every single one, but most of them definitely are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so this is a one-shot coming out uh, in May, obviously. Um, the cover's got Cassandra Kane on there. It's got, uh, you know, Katana. Katana. Ryan uh, Choi. Cheshire. Ryan Choi's in there. Cheshire's there. Yeah. Uh, new, new Superman's in the background there. Um, so, no, uh, that's a nice idea. Exactly how many Asian American heroes, or even just Asian heroes and villains, DC has until you put them all on cover. Yeah, and they're you not know? like small characters. No, like, it's, no. It's some of them are really pretty cool. prominent. So, I mean, it's obvious yeah. what the format this is going to be. It's going to be, you know, a bunch of eight to ten page stories, give or take. Uh, with you know featuring these characters uh, one by yeah. one, so uh, and, and it helps too that I like most of them. So you know, if I wasn't already inclined by the yeah. creators, I like a, these characters. It's a frustrating one for me because I'm like I'm annoyed by all the hundred page giants. Yeah. where most of them have maybe one story and that I mm-hmm. like, and the rest are just fine. But at the same time, it's like I, I appreciate the effort here of what they're they're doing mm-hmm. of of kind of actually yeah. pushing something positive rather than just oh here's a character. I mean, it's, I think right. it's either this week or next week had the Valentine's special, probably this week. Uh, it was this week. I think it was yeah. this week. Had the Valentine's yeah. special, and it was probably fine, but it's one of those things where we've got, you know, a week of books to read, unless yeah. those 100-page things are actually seem like they might be important or, or it's a quiet week. We tend to skip over them now just because they are just such a slog to add on to the regular week of books. 
Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I kind of want to do this one because it's coming from a really nice place. It's not mm-hmm. just, oh, we're trying to make money, so we're going to... Kind of depends I, how busy the week I, is still, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But even, even then, I think, in just good faith, if we wanted to, we could kind of break it up, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it is a busier week, if we really want to cover Because I, I do know, like, Pete really does love Cassandra Kane as a character. Oh, so, sure. like, yeah, you know. And, uh, the, the Ram V story is with a, a mm-hmm. character from his Catwoman book, so there might oh, be yeah. some tie-in with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking yeah, at the yeah. names of Gene Looney Yang, Yang, Greg Pak. Yeah. Greg Pak's a writer that I've, I've been, uh-huh. you know, way into for uh-huh. a, a long time now, so... Yeah. I've uh, I've enjoyed uh, Alyssa Wong. I think is doing the current uh, Afro book uh, over at Marvel for, for okay. that stuff. Uh, mm. I've been enjoying that. But yeah, these are these are all names. Like again, like depending on the week, I'm I'm looking at that week that it comes out, and it's, it looks like it's the first week of uh, May. Depending yeah, on how actually that is, you know? what's, uh, it's probably just a typo in the solicit. But the day's uh-huh. actually one off because every other book that's okay. out that week is the fourth. So that's that's actually is listed here as the Wednesday, but it's probably just a typo. It's probably just meant to be the fourth. Right. Still. I'm sure it's still going to be in comic yeah. shops with all the rest of the DC. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably yeah. is. But I just I noticed uh, that when I was anyway, looking through them. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you no, know, it, it is a really cool thing that they're doing instead of like, like I think it was Connor that said instead of just a character, you know, like they they did a. You know, I don't want to say a statement, but like, hey, look at all these cool characters that you know, and look at some other creators. Uh, yeah, it's, really it's cool almost. A... I mean, I don't know if this necessarily applies to like mm-hmm. every Asian culture anyway, but I mean, given yeah. that Lunar New Year just started, maybe maybe a nice to have it out this month for that. But, yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, random May is a good time as anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better just it happen at some point than never. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, and maybe they can do other spotlights like this, where you know they, they you know, what's you know, highlight another group or another, uh, you know, maybe like a, a book, you know, featuring like, oh, here's all the gay characters we have at DC, and let's celebrate them and have have gay yeah. creators and their stories. They've kind of been know. having a other history of the DC universe, which has been covering a lot of the the black yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, next up, we got another one shot. This is this is an interesting one that kind of also just popped up. This is a uh, Star Spring Break special, written by Jeff Johns uh, with art by Todd Nuck. So this is uh, a forty-eight page one shot, six dollar book out the first week of May. And so I'll just read this te- the text here uh, just to start us off here. Obviously, you know Johns is still working on the show. Season two of the show is pr- mm-hmm. presumably going to be sometime this summer. This it's listed as a summer show. Uh, so, Corny Whitmore's spring break plans aren't like your average high schoolers. Instead of hanging up with friends, she's heading out on an adventure with her stepfather, Pat Duggan, uh, Duggan? Duggan, aka Stripe, <laughs> and teaming up with uh, his former team, the Seven Soldiers of Victory. The soldiers are forced to reunite again to unearth the secret Eighth Soldier of Victory, but what other secrets lie buried, and what does it all mean for Courtney's future as Stargirl? So, that last line there is the most interesting part yeah. to me, because them even sort of saying, what does this mean for the future of Stargirl? It could mean nothing, but it could also mean that there is some sort of future in mind. Uh, I mean, definitely I just... something for Courtney, whether or not that Stargirl or not remains to be seen. Yeah. Oh, that's true, um, that's true. Do the Seven Soldiers play into the show? So you haven't seen it. Uh, the um, Shining Knights there. Okay. There's a reference to them existing. Uh, right. Th- you know, through that. There's like a photo of them at one point, so they may come be more gotcha. relevant later. But. Well, I'm just saying, this is like the most John's thing where he takes something that normally, you know, is tangentially related to the character and then, like, 
well, you know, there's seven soldiers of victory. What if there was an eighth? And we just never knew about it. And that comes from a place of love because I love John's, right? But like that this is the seven kingdoms of Atlantis and the seven <laughs> the seven emotional spectrum core. I mean, if, if, know, if this like, is leading to a mini or something that John's is going to write, whether it's a Stargirl yeah. mini, whether it's a Seven Soldiers mini, whether it's just something else right. that's got a name, uh, then that's cool. That's exciting. I like the idea of getting I, a Jeff John story later. I would year. actually not be surprised if it's not a Jeff John thing that's coming up and more yeah. this is him handing off the character to say, oh, hey, you know, someone else can, you know, take the reins with her now because he has still been the predominant voice for her over, over the years. I mean, predominant, you, some would say only. But I mean, she popped up. I mean, she's popped up here or there, you know, uh, I'm sure. I mean, we, we we realistically weren't really expecting any Jeff John's books announcements for a long time. So that's just kind of popped up and was like, oh, a Jeff John's book of some kind. This is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think we were expecting maybe this one issue with Stargo because we did talk about how she's got that story in the, the uh, Infinite Frontier one shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, you know, led us to some speculation. Maybe they're going to follow up on that. Because it seemed random to just throw in a Stargirl story by Johns in that. That said, yeah. though, I still feel like that only being for this one shot still feels a bit light. Like, giving her a slot in that comic makes you feel like there's a bigger plan than just uh, a one one shot in May and that's it. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be Johns that's doing it, admittedly, beyond us. It could be anything. Could just be she's going to team up with the JSA when they show up or something. I don't know. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so Stargirl Spring Break specials out. Um and may and maybe him just doing these random one shots that all kind of connect over mm-hmm. time is maybe what he can fit into his schedule given that he's running the TV yeah. show now. I don't know. Along with something else that's coming up in the solicits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the other thing that's coming up later that's... in the solicits he he finished writing like three years ago. <laughs> so uh, next up, uh, Justice League Last Ride issue one. This is another digital first uh, coming out in in May. And this is, interestingly, Chip Zarsky writing with Miguel Madoncha on the art. So this is another one where I looked at it and went, oh, we definitely have to talk about this on the show. Whatever format makes sense for us to talk about it in, we have to check out Zarsky's Justice League. It just, why, why wouldn't we do it? Um, yeah, um, this is another one where it's two digital chapters yes. per print issue. So, so we, we'll tackle it when the print issue comes out as if we're reading the print, even if we're reading it digitally, which some of us might be, some of us may not be but uh, yeah and for anyone who is reading it digitally or plans to read it digitally uh april 14th this starts mm. so um i have i have really enjoyed what i've read of his daredevil uh, i am all about reading some zarsky dc material um and uh yeah so i'm curious so here's the description for this one because obviously this is just a standalone story uh, once the most powerful group in the world, the Justice League was destroyed by tragedy and time, disbanded under a veil of mistrust and anger. Now, on the eve of the universe's greatest murder trial, the League must come together one last time. But can Superman and Batman bury the past before the cosmos's greatest villain buries them? Uh, so, so it's kind of a, a Justice League Returns story, I guess. From that, kind of. Uh, obviously, something has gone bad between Superman and Batman. And, and this is the sort of thing where if this was a continuity book, we'd all be so annoyed. Um, but hey, it's just a random digital first. Do what you want. Yeah. But it's also Z- Zadarsky. So it's not like it's a... He doesn't do tried and true, right? No. Like, the, he might send up certain things, but it's not going to be what we think it is. You know, from yeah. from what I've I've read about his Daredevil, you know? Very good. Like it's, 
Like, it's very Daredevil, but it's also Daredevil you've never read before, which is nice. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... No, I'm actually kind of pumped to see what Zarsky does with Justice League. Uh, and it, it kind of feeds into, again, that they're expanding the, the prominence of their digital books, and that we do kind of have to start paying attention to them a little bit more than we, we have done in the past. It does feel like they've got, like, two separate types of digital books now, because you've got the mm. ones that are just the ongoing anthology, like, here's an issue of just, you know, they've got, I think there's a Harley Quinn one going right now, and yeah. the Superman ones going, just, you know, here's a random issue this week. And then you've got, on the opposite end of the scale, these, which are, okay, here's... What could have been just a six-issue mini or eight-issue miniseries in this case, um, or you know, six issues in some of the others, could have just been a traditional miniseries, but they're choosing to publish them digital first. Um, maybe it's that they're smaller; they don't want to oversaturate the market with too many books at once. I, I don't know, but I'm really interested to see how it pans out. Oh yeah, a couple of years ago, this was just been a mini. You don't put this writer on a book uh, and and sort of. Like, this writer on this book makes it feel like a proper thing that could have sold uh, a mini, and probably will still sell a mini in its physical form, but uh, this shows that they're treating the digital like a more of a... a it's not just, it's not just the offshoot. Talent towards yeah. it. It's not just, oh, here's some random stuff. Because like you say, you know, this is, one, it's Justice League, so a Justice League book would probably sell mm. well enough just on that alone, and Zdarsky's a reasonably light name, name in the industry. Yeah. 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 So... Um. But no, and I'm sure he had the idea for it. This doesn't seem like he came from editorial being like, yep. hey, Chip, you have a Batman versus Superman end of the Justice League story? <laughs> Although I us? can imagine. What do you should say that? Yeah. Well, I can see him going, hey, you know what would be cool? If you guys let me tell the story, they go, you know what? Go ahead. It's digital <laughs> first, though. So <laughs> whatever you do can be easily undone. Um, yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about Chip still is that he would sign for Stan Lee's signature. <laughs> If you wanted his signature, it was free. But if you wanted stands, it, it cost two dollars or something <laughs> like that. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, I also think it's the case of where because they are shifting more towards digital, you are feeling that the actual mm-hmm. original print books are. If you if you're not counting the books that are digital first as well, it, the line has shrunk a bit. So unless you actually want to be really narrowing down your options for reading, you kind of have to start paying attention to these books that were digital first. I think definitely if you want the smaller side stories, like obviously mm. this one, I think if Deceased started now, Maybe, as opposed yeah. to you know two years ago, yeah. whenever that was, a year and a half, it, it would probably be a, a digital first. I, I think that's the important thing is that some of these may end up being the most like exciting books that are out in the months they're coming out because as we you know, Deceased was like a highlight uh, for its duration. Uh, and I think that's just kind of the point is that we have to stop thinking of digital being the separate kind of Ah, just, we'd have to pay attention to it. It's not important. Like, no, some of the be- best minis might be coming out of digital now. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, so that's Justice League Last Ride, uh, issue one. Uh, and then what we were alluding to earlier with Jeff Johns, uh, Batman Earth One Volume Three, uh, with Gary Frank and John Seibel, uh, on art, mm-hmm. uh, is finally coming out in, in, uh, that'll be June. I'm just, I'm trying to process the American way you write the date. <laughs> it's June. I have to think about yeah. it as well. Yeah, well, it's really easy when the day is like over twelve because it's just obvious because that number couldn't be a month. But when it's two numbers, it could be the month. I have to think about it. Right, you just yeah. have to remember we we say you know June eighth, not eighth of June. Yes. So that's why it's written that way. Except you know? except for Fourth of July, you don't say you you walk around saying Fourth of July all the time. But that's a celebration of breaking the yoke from uh, your guys' old country. So you, you celebrate it by spending it telling us that we're right. 
Or you just call it Independence Day. Uh, hey, don't go <laughs> blow up a piece of the country. Yeah, don't don't say we. Don't associate me with English people. I don't want any part yeah. of it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you were part of that uh, back British then. I've been, I, I, I've been listening to the Revolutions podcast, so I kind of mm-hmm. know. You know, I'm taking no part at of it. That, at that time, you know, it was we. <laughs> so, uh, there was never a we. There was. <laughs> The, 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 it was all I mean, y'all, y'all had a vote a couple of years ago, and you kind of determined there was a we. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trust me, the country's very split on that. <laughs> I'm yeah, split well, then, but it still came out in one direction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see how that, if, if we get a second one, we'll see how that goes on time two. Yeah, good luck begging for permission for a second vote. Uh, just I'll just say after after 2016, because uh, there was also a vote in the UK in 2016, which did not go very well. And I think after that one, Scotland's uh, opinion might have swerved a bit more strongly in one direction. <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> um, say, your guys' process of dissolving governments. So it's a it's a good thing to hear sometimes. Hmm. You know. Well, uh, speaking of uh, world's end, government. world's end, <laughs> uh, deceased hope at world's end hardcover is mentioned there. They're just coming out. Yep. That's the uh, a bunch more of those original graphic novels, the, you know, the teen stuff. Uh, we got uh, I Am Not Starfire. It's <laughs> a really funny title. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I about the World's End thing, do you think because it's in hardcover first, it's going to be that wide screen style? Because that's how that book was. Oh, uh, it could be. Well, it probably has dimensions uh, here. They would have mentioned it if it was a different trim. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, don't mention it. Yeah. It doesn't. But I was just thinking about that because it was one of those books that was white screen format and yeah. digital. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, but I'm not Starfire. This is hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah this, this is the one that's about Starfire's daughter um, basically just trying to be like, you know, get out of her mother's shadow. Yeah, so this is uh, Mariko Tamaki writing with uh, Yoshi Ushitanu uh, on the art. So uh, I just thought it was funny because of the, the running Starfire yeah, this joke. Is, this is one I've seen uh, like guys our age complain about and I want to tell them you, you don't have to read it. Like it's not. It's, it's not for, for you. you. That's okay. If if you want to read it, go ahead. But if you don't, like, don't complain that this exists when it's not for you. You know, because I know my niece who loves Starfire. This is something that's probably going to be on her radar. And you know, to to you know to know that that's really cool. That there there is something for her. You right. know. Uh and maybe I'll read it before I give it to her. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, yeah. I am not Starfire and Preacher. Those are two books for Matt's niece. And wait, and Preacher? <laughs> <laughs> he was really telling. What's the most extreme one I can think of? Off the top yeah. of my head? Yeah, no, it's probably not the most extreme one, but it's definitely the first one that put it in my head. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely for a mature audience. Yeah. No, uh, she's into anime now, so I've already lost her. <laughs> yeah, she's there's lost. Yeah, the, uh, there's the Batman manga. Eh. She likes My Hero Academia, which I have to go and ask my friends oh, about. So, so, oh, that's anime Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, or anime X-Men. Man, I don't you even know. think you could get worse than Hogwarts, but anime Hogwarts sounds like a living nightmare. Yeah, repeat. Yeah, uh, but anyways, uh, I, I, that's cool that this exists, and I'm glad that the young adult line is still going strong, it seems. Yeah, they're the them pretty consistently, and some of them, yeah. pretty, I've read some of them, they're quite, some of them are quite yeah. good. Not, not did, all of them. Did you read but... them? Did you read the Daniel Pope Mara one? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, was that pretty good? Uh, it was solid. Uh, not my favorite, yeah, the art, but it was solid. Gorgeous. Book, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the art looked great. That's why I remember it. 
Yeah. Uh, so everywhere the rest of the regular books back sort of into... I mean, they are just still a bit all over the place, but I mean, we're in regular book territory now. Mm-hmm. Action Comics 1031 uh, and Superman 31, you know, both by uh, Johnson. Both have backups still. Um, so War World Rising Part 2 in Action Comics is the is the main story. Um, and The One Who Fell Part 2 is the main story in Superman. Uh, notably, because if you remember, March's issues of each are a two-part story that cross over between the two books, whereas mm-hmm. then in April going on, it's they've both got their own arcs. So yeah, They're split, yeah. Uh, so that's just keeping that going, making it very obvious. Um, and the uh, the backup in Superman is uh, Jimmy Olsen one. Did we know about that from last month, or is that new for this month? I don't remember it. Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> I can't remember. No, I think we knew about it because it was the Tales of Metropolis, and I think we thought it might be the Jimmy Olsen stuff. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's got Gangbuster and Loose Cannon, it also says. So I'm sure it'll be like one of these revolving door style yeah, ones. Yeah, it, it mentions it's, it's Jimmy trying to build a, a backup mm-hmm. Justice League squad, basically, for Metropolis. That's, man. Yeah, I. Makes me miss uh, Fractions Jimmy book, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Backup Story in Actions by Becky Clunan. Uh, backup yeah. Story in Superman is by Sam Basri. So. That's, oh, sorry, Sean Sorry, sorry, yeah. Like the the new formats throw me off here. Right? They're on the same line. I need to, need to process yeah. it. Uh, so it's just Superman books for for me. American Vampire, nineteen seventy six issue eight. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, Batman one hundred eight. Uh, Joe, I'm still getting used to these being monthly now. There's no like two Batman issues in the solicit anymore. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it's weird. Um, but it's it's good because it opens up the opportunity to actually try out other books like these digital books because otherwise we might be too bogged down. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so. I don't know what to say unless you want to d- dive into the uh, the text itself, but I mean, it's the next no, part. No, of no, no, we, just, we mentioned before, run. it's the Miracle Molly debut. Yeah. Miracle Molly, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like if I was being cynical, and after what happened with Punchline, I feel like Tynan has, has developed a thing going like, hey, I can gen up some, some you know, extra money by creating these new characters, you know? But after reading his newsletter, I know that's definitely not the... Yeah, I, was say, I, I can definitely see... Yeah from an outside perspective why it can look yeah. like that but i don't i don't believe i don't think he's takes. not after reading that you know breakdown of how he feels the comic industry is with the different tiers yeah this was I, like a genuine attempt to yeah. move forward rather than let's make mm-hmm. some money right so yeah batman black and white issue six is next uh so, no anthology issue it's a final Batman issue as well yeah. Yeah. hey someone wants to make connor read that uh just first story it's uh snyder and JRJR. <laughs> so. Yeah, but then there's a Nick Darrington story after that. And I'm yeah, like, I know, but don't pay attention to that. Just pay him to read the Snyder and <laughs> JRJR one. Well, it's funny because it's kind of, I mean, we've kind of had almost an unwritten rule that for the Patreon books that once you're over annual size, which, you know, will stretch yeah. to 50 pages, like beyond that, it's too big for that because obviously right. you know, it's just it's too much reading. Um, and that, this is actually just under that but i do love the idea of like an anthology coming out where someone really wants you to read like the two really bad stories so they just say mm-hmm. no i'm going to i'm going to pay for the book but these you can read the rest if you want but i'm not paying for that i'm yeah. paying for these two stories yeah. it's these two you need to read <laughs> it's really funny to me <laughs> um, it could happen i suppose <laughs> yeah uh next up so obviously the news here is the title change for this next one uh, so tom taylor's batman book was called batman the dark knight last month but it's been changed to batman the detective obviously the first issue reflects that change too uh, mm-hmm. uh so issue two of course coming out in uh in may um 
I kind of like it just because it feels a bit more unique and I, it, it's not confusing because there's like you know two or three other series that have been called Batman the Dark Knight. I kind of like now that I can just say Batman the Detective well, and I'll I think, think part of it as well is they're launching this uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, um... Well, there's that, and and then you read what the blurb's about, and they bring up Henry Ducard, mm-hmm. you know, and that's you know in canon that's who he learned detective skills from, you it, know. So it does make know, me leaning into that like, side is cool. It on? makes me think that maybe they want to reuse the title as well, like mm-hmm. not not the other one, but this one, you know, as you know, Batman the Detective. Maybe right. there'll be a cool. a second arc. I know, I know this is still technically listed as a mini, but maybe there'll be another one with someone else as a team, oh. but using that title again. We know. We know that Taylor likes to do many stories like this, you know, where he takes a break in between, like just like a deceased. So yeah. maybe I'll have like Batman the detective, whatever. So I'll tell you if I could totally see Taylor coming back and doing a sequel, but it'll be called something else. Like it'll be Batman the something and it'll be, you know, mm-hmm. relevant to whatever the, the story is for the second story. Because uh, mm. I, I don't know. This is the, it's a possibility. Uh, Batman Catwoman issue 6 containing the Tom King 12 issue book. That's out in May. Uh, Phantasm right there on the cover, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 2. Uh, I forgot this was a thing from last month, but you know. Uh, there we go. Batman Superman issue 18. Gene Ling Yang, Ivan Reese. That's continuing on. Uh, Batman Urban Legends issue 3 continuing. This is the, of course, the, the $8 anthology Gotham book with various stories. Uh, is there? I don't think there's any new ones yet. I think it's just the, the three that have been going. Which yeah, is... the outsiders yeah. one's ending this issue though, so there oh, should be a new one next month. Yeah, so obviously, uh, we still have the Grifter one, which will be mm-hmm. Rosenberg because that's just been doing that. Because uh, it's because technically he's already been doing it in the the backups. In fact, we have one this week to talk about. Um, yeah, we got the writer story, and the outsiders one. The outsiders one's ending, so we'll presumably have at least one new story out of the the three. And mm-hmm. yeah. June's batch, which would be cool. I'm interested to see what it is. Uh, I, I am, I am gen- generally enjoying uh, the the Outsiders story that we've had so far. I'm enjoying surprisingly the the Grifter one's all right. So uh, I I just like Outsiders. I think I think that's just a title that I enjoy. And since they brought it back in Rebirth, you know, uh, in the pages of Detective Comics first, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's been pretty solid. Um, it's interesting yeah. that the um, these outsiders, you know, the, the the two issues we've had it in in Future State, and then okay, this coming up has made me want to go back and retry the Outsiders book. I never thought it was bad. I just kind of didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, maybe I'll burn through it just you know because uh, obviously yeah. in that they they refer back to characters and maybe they will in this part of the story as well. Yeah, maybe. And I'm sure it's all on DC Universe by now. If it's not, it'll well be soon. More than likely, yeah. yeah. Maybe one or two are still left to go up. But it'll be a bit. Uh, yeah. So keep in mind, this is you know this is a sixty-four page book. So this is like three full-sized issues of stories. So they're all full-sized uh, chapters. Which does make the price feel reasonable because it's only eight dollars. Um, yeah. As opposed to if these were all separate books and you wanted all three, it would have been twelve. Twelve. Yeah, you're basically getting like buy two get one free, but you have to get the three. <laughs> you can't just get one. As long as you like yeah. two of the stories in it. You can feel like you got your money's worth. Yes. There you go. Uh, so that's Urban Legends issue 3. Uh, Catwoman 31, continuing Ram V's run. Obviously, we're super pumped on that. So that's cool. Um, uh, Challenge of the Super Sons issue 2. This is another one that's reprinted in the digital first book. Um, so there you go. That's still Tomasi as well. 
Uh, Crime Syndicate issue 3, that miniseries, which has not started yet, so we, we still don't have an opinion on this, as, as if it's good or not. Obviously, we want it to be good, but we don't know yet, so... Uh, but hopefully it is. Uh, Detective Comics 1036. Uh, continuing Tamaki's run. Mm-hmm. We have a Huntress uh, backup mm-hmm. story, uh, which is uh, continuing from the previous one, but... Yeah, I think Huntress yeah, is I... a nine story as well. Yeah. I I just have the thought now of Clayton Henry drawing Huntress's like headpiece. It's gonna be so and how long. massive. Yeah, how massive <laughs> it's gonna look. Yeah, because he's doing the, the backup. Dan Moore is still the main artist uh, yeah. on the book, but uh yeah. No. No, I'm I'm excited for Huntress to be sort of back in the, the free for a little bit. She's been kinda absent for a while and you know, mm-hmm. she, I feel like she was relegated to the weird birds of prey for the new fifty two and then since then gone yeah oh she was in she hasn't really done anything she was in Batgirl on the Birds of Prey which was again also kind of short lived and not super mm-hmm. like notable yeah I'm just glad they rectified the whole Grayson version of her with you know the other Elena Bertinelli yeah it's more traditional like that's a character that I feel I don't know like a backup might be a perfect place for her but, like throw her in that Gotham one once they're done with this you know sure I would definitely read that. I mean, I think that's the thing about that 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 that, that uh, anthology because there's so much potential mm-hmm. of giving characters who would never get their own books like a three or four issue arc. Just throw in whoever you want, see what sticks, yeah. see what gets a good reception. Yeah, and then you know if if there is a lot like of positive reception to, to one yeah. story, you can give them a separate I, mini. I almost wish there was a second one that wasn't specifically Superman, but it was really just a second one for other non-bat characters to try mm-hmm. other I, characters. I, I get justice League branded. I think that's kind of where we're getting a lot of the digital first stories for. They, 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 mm-hmm. Rather than lumping them into one anthology, they're just eh, digital first. Yeah, well, but anthology books are kind of cool that way. Like, if you don't mind the, the bigger price point, right? Um, but the fact that you can go in there and it's almost like a grab bag, I kind of like that. You know, if there's a... Because I kind of wanted that for the Flash for a while. There's so many Flash characters that haven't been used. Yeah, oh, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically how all British comics are done as well. So the yeah, the, the totally. main the main Flash book, hell, the main Green Lantern book could be this because we've got mm-hmm. like seven or eight yeah, Earth Green Lanterns now. I mean, you could easily have like three ongoing Green Lantern stories at a time, in yeah. one book. <laughs> yeah, or, or even if they want to play it safe, have one that's just you know whichever you know main Lantern you want at the time, and then have your second Lantern book be the anthology. Yeah. I'm just thinking if you go back to when there was like three or four Lantern books, like imagine if that was just one big book that came out every month and you had, they were all just packaged together. It wouldn't have always been for the best because sometimes the other ones weren't as good, but you know, there's some. Anyway, uh, the Dreaming Waking Hours issue 10 is, is coming out. The Flash 770, uh, which I'm still very skeptical I'm, about. I'm really annoyed because I really hate everything that it's saying and in the solicit yes. text, every issue, but then I'm like, oh, it's got Jay on the cover. Uh, Jay's on the cover, yeah. On the variant as well. He's on both. Uh, don't don't look at the variant cover because you'll get flashbacks to New Fifty Two. Uh, too late. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> Green Lantern issue two. Uh, up in there in this one as well. We'll see how it is. Again, this is a backup. Uh, for some reason the cover still says issue one. <laughs> so it does. Obviously, it's just a, t- a typo. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll fix that by the time it releases. Yeah, it'd be funny that, if the- that uh, variant looks. Oh. Fantastic. Uh the jewel one? Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. You know, That's neat. She's, she's she's upon us. Yeah, as much as we didn't like the future state book, uh I am I'm really ho- I'm going to try issue one with a real positive yeah. 
chance because I really want a good Green Lantern book. So they're getting yeah. a fair chance for issue one. They really are. And the extra soy art wouldn't uh, certainly hurt. <laughs> uh, uh, Marcus Santucci on art as well, though, in this issue. For the backup, um, I think. Yeah. Oh, is that just the backup? Well, I don't know. I assume so. No, I, it doesn't seem like there is a... Hmm. It's a 40-page it's, book. Maybe it's just funny. one. It's, that's yeah. actually really interesting because it doesn't mention a backup in the solicit text. No. Oh, um, but maybe it is just a, a rare case of they're just giving all 40 pages to the one story. Well, but it's Soy and Santucci, so unless Santucci's filling in certain pages, you know uh, what I mean? Or maybe we'll yeah. cut to all that on a different sector, so they'll use right. that to excuse the art right. change or something. I don't know. Uh, so... But yeah, they're bringing Joe Mullen into the main Green Lantern book. I mean, obviously, we mentioned the cover, but, like, it straight up says in the text, like, yeah, like, she's, she's going to get involved with the other Lanterns now. So, it is exciting that they're doing that, because uh, we've, we've enjoyed her introduction. Your mic's going. Matt, your mic's going. Way ahead of you, Connor. <laughs> I mean, you weren't way ahead of me. It came through at the exact same time as I was saying it. Uh, I was ahead of you on my end. The, the, the recording will show that. Yes. Let, the, rec- let the recording cool. show. what's next? <laughs> that Connor... Was late. Uh, Harley Quinn issue three. Uh, that's still going. Was, was that a hand gesture from Connell there? Like, I just caught the side of my eye. No, 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 nothing. Hmm. That is such an ugly cover, isn't it? Uh, the Harley. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. It's it's it's, it's basically disgusting, quite frankly. Uh. No, it, it, it bums me out that it's Rosmoe and Art because reading the the text, it seems like I would enjoy the story if not for the art. Uh, so, me too, yes. Matt. This, me is, too. A, this is a, a CR21 uh, infected issue. It is. Of a comic it book. is. Yeah. Uh, Joker issue three coming out. Uh, again, back up with the punchline. You know, nothing much to add, really. Continuation, tiny on the main book, or main story. He's also in the backup with Sam Johns. Uh, so, hey. Uh, Justice League 61, continuing Bendis' Justice League is out. Obviously, Ram V still doing Justice League Dark in the backup. Uh, so cool, yeah, don't have much to say. Looney Tunes 260, they're still doing that. Of course, Mad Magazine issue 20, still doing that. Man Bat issue 4, continuing the mini, which, and this is one of these cases where I'm happy to say that now that we've had issue 1, we're actually feeling quite good about this, and we're, yep. yeah. Did, uh, did you guys realise this was 5 issues and not 6? Nope. I don't think I did, no, but it is 5, so. It, it is, I, I was under the impression it was 6, I don't know if maybe something's changed, or if... Yeah, I mean, we just forgot. If, if we may have just forgot, if it did change, it wouldn't be surprising if it changed in that long gap before it got resolicited finally. Because it, you yeah. know, uh, at which point I'm sure it was written to fit five issues. I would like to think so. Yeah. Yes, they, they haven't just scrapped one issue. for you guys. The Beckler Fire at the end of issue five, or it's just missing what was issue five. And they just jump straight <laughs> to six. Uh, next Batman Second Son issue 2 second of four issues of the uh, digital first this is one where they're, they're bundling I think three chapters per physical issue mm-hmm. uh, so again we're going to be checking this out because we've been really digging the uh, future state story uh, so that's issue 2 coming out in May we got Nightwing issue 80 continuing uh, Taylor's run looking forward to that uh, that cover's gorgeous what a, what a variant oh, I was going yeah. to about the main cover what's the variant look like oh the, oh, the variant's very nice too yeah. uh, Jamal Campbell on the variant is just that, that variant is poster worthy it is. And not and just because of the Superman S shirt. I was going to say, front. the Superman shirt at the front is a nice touch. No, yeah, but just the, the logo in his... in the shape that he's yeah, making. For, yeah, for anyone who's not seeing this, uh, it, Nightwing is basically doing a handstand with one arm on a clothesline, and then mm-hmm. with his feet, he's kicking up the... It's, it physically, I mean, physics says this is impossible, but, but by the by. 
but yeah but he's basically with his feet making the top of the nightwing logo so that the there's like an opening between the two clotheslines mm-hmm. making the nightwing logo in the the, the the sort of the early morning sky of uh i was gonna say gotham and then metropolis then no, Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. Is, it, is it Bloodhaven? Okay. I don't know. Maybe he went to Metropolis for an issue. I don't know. There's a Superman shirt in the foreground. People still like Superman in Bloodhaven, I'm sure. <laughs> ah, but it's a knockoff shirt that they got from like a dodgy street vendor. So I have ones in Metropolis. Still a shirt. <laughs> it still wears the same. The other rest of the DC Universe issue pours out. Uh, well, I was going to say wrapping up. That's a five issue, but I thought it was four for some reason. Okay, there's one more. Uh, we got Robin issue two. That's the Joshua Wilmson run that started yeah. in April. Uh, so that's still going. Rorschach issue eight is coming out in May. Uh, Ruby Justice League issue two. This yeah, this Ruby thing still a thing. Uh, Sensational Wonder Woman issue three. This is the Digital First collection, uh, which is obviously starting next month. Uh, and I say starting next month, I mean the collections are start of uh, the print issues are starting next month. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the digitals are on like issue like three or four already. Yeah. Uh, Strange Adventures issue 10, so we'll be getting near the end of that in May. Well, that'll be ending in July, uh, Strange also, Adventures. Is that the most drastically different that their covers have been yet for that book? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, you can thematically, there's a, there's a similar idea between them, but they are very different. I wonder yeah. if that's maybe a, a sign that the two... There's something in the there story is going to justify why they're getting more different. As this they, uh, someone asked Shaner who comes up with the ideas because they were putting up, you know, this week was artists putting up like the sketch and then the final product. Yes. And someone asked Shaner who picks like the design because his sketch for the first issue was slightly off, right? It was a different angle. And he says, oh no, we do. You know, me and Mitch get together and decide what we're going to do. Uh, and then we go from there. And it, it really is collaborative. And so this one, that's ultimately what it feels like. Like, that they both went, like, we're going to do, like, this red and blue thing. But we're going to make it diverge even more. So, yeah. Um, oh, really cool. I, just, I just mentioned it because obviously all their covers have been similar takes on the same idea, basically. Right. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, Suicide Squad issue three. Uh, coming out, and I feel bad for Suicide Squad because it's basically for for us, we've basically just called it DOA. <laughs> I'm actively annoyed at it now, though. Yeah, me too. Uh, I assume that's because it's crossing over with the next book, which is Teen Titans Academy issue three. Yeah, it's basically just ensured I'm not reading Teen Titans Academy because if you're going to cross over with a book that I know I'm not reading before I've even read the first issue of this book, I'm I'm not putting down my money to try it to have to maybe drop it two or three issues in. It's just not a good look. Yeah. It depends how much of a crossover it is. Like, if it's just, oh, Suicide Squad are appearing and they're calling that a crossover, that's whatever. I think it's, I think it's an actual multi-part because, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're both crossing over with each other. And, you know, you can see the, the Teen Titans Academy cover actually has two members of Suicide Squad front and center. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate for in general. Like, you know... Uh, the end of Man by issue one saying Suicide Squad is, is going to be here next issue. That's, I mean, Suicide Squad are appearing, but it's not a crossover with the, another book. It's just... Right. I think... And th- this is kind of just... It, it's not even just that I dislike this the idea of the Suicide Squad book. I'm not interested in it. I think, I think it's just really bad practice to do a crossover in your first few issues. I mean, if you can't even give me a trade's worth, that's already not a good sign. But if, if, you, if you're soliciting issues before I've even read the first one, that's particularly bad. 
Yeah, I don't mind it after an arc. Like, I think, you know, back at the start of the Rebirth, when they did the Night of the Monsters uh, with Batman, Nightwing, Detective, after their, all, they all had their first arc, and then yeah. they did that for two issues each. Like, oh, I was fine with that. Um, But, I mean, it doesn't help that I am not interested in the Suicide Squad book at all. And then Teen Titans Academy, while I want to like it, uh, well, let's just say this week's Future State issue did not fill me with uh, confidence in the matter. <laughs> so, eh. Yep. You know? Which, which eh. means I have more time to read something else. So that's if true. I had any, that's true. If I had yeah. any doubts about certain other books, then that's gone now. Yeah. Um, uh, Superman Red and Blue Issue 3, continuing the black and white style anthology with Superman. Then uh, the Swamp Thing Issue 3, Ram V continuing his oof. book. Multiple Ivies. I'm excited. Get it, get it, Ram. <laughs> I just I feel like we're going to get to the end of this, this issue. Of I got rammed in the heart. See what I did there? No, I... Well. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm reading Catwoman now is because he's bringing Ivy in, so this is a good sign. I feel, <laughs> I feel there's some respect for for Ivy here. Uh, oh dear, that's the yeah. reason. Not not the extremely high quality and everyone raving about it. That, uh, no, that, I guess if you do an that, Ivy. that took part. But when Pete was, you know, you you were gone because your computer was dead, and he he's covering that that issue and goes, oh, and then you know, Selena walks in and you know, Ivy's there, and I went, son of a bitch i'm gonna have to read this now i can't deny it anymore you know hmm. uh truth and justice issue four is out continuing that and then of course we have wonder woman 772 uh coming out and again it has a backup uh which that is cover. that middleton cover is phenomenal mm-hmm. yes yeah. stuff storybooks are made out of right like it, it looks like it could be the cover for like one of the like grim fairy tales or something mm-hmm yeah, I'm so, not always into Frozen's faces. I do think the environment and the everything else in that that cover is very pretty, though. That's because it's Middleton, not Frozen. Yeah. Ah, fair point. It's always yes. Frozen. It's always Frozen doing the Wonder Woman covers. All right, it's not my fault. They they, they swapped yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I get it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, it's a good cover. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That that is uh the books. Uh, one thing that's been worth mentioning if you if you're a trade reader, uh is that the, the, the first batch of Future State trades are coming out uh, in these sources. They're a lot meatier than I expected. They're pretty meaty. Uh, what's interesting about it, though, and I feel bad for this, is that the Future State Justice League trade, I would say that this has Future State Justice League, which I think is worth reading, and then it has lots of other things that I do not think are worth reading. <laughs> so it's quite unfortunate if you really want to read Justice League. You're stuck with all this other stuff that isn't that good. Because it's Future State Justice League 1 2, the Flash wanted to, Green Lantern wanted to, and Aquaman wanted to, and those were weirdly interesting at best to outright terrible at worst. So uh, yeah, I think I think out of those, Aquaman first issue was the only one we all kind of went. I mean, it's okay. It's got some ideas, but it was it wasn't really good all in, but it did have some interesting things to at least talk about. Uh, yeah. Uh, whereas Green Lantern we just went into at all, and Flash was just. Yeah, I think the, the other books so far fare a lot better. Yeah, obviously Next Batman trade uh, comes with the Next Batman 1 to 4, comes with select stories from Dark Detective 1 to 4. What are uh, they leaving out, do you think? And Future State Nightwing. I assume something from Dark Detective fits, some, fits better with something else, and that's why it's not here. So it must be one of the 
Because what's in the Dark Detective has the Grifter story and unless unless it has all the backups from Dark Detective, but the main story from Dark Detective is going with something else because of all the magistrate stuff it's doing. That's better with something Maybe. else. Possible. Because no, but this is not Future State Batman. This is Future State the next Batman. So mm-hmm. it could be that all the Dark Detective stuff is elsewhere. Uh, and I would say so far these are all things that link in with the with the next Batman, like, you know, yeah. uh, Nightwing has, you know, that, that Batman in there, and so I wonder if maybe there's a link in that. Yeah. Then uh, Future State Superman has Superman Everything. and Metropolis, Superman Worlds of War, uh, Imperious Lex, Karazel, Superwoman, Legion of Superheroes 1 2, and Superman House of L, which is that one shot that we've not had yet. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's all the ones that have been in so far. But that obviously there is other future state books that aren't there. That said, though, I do wonder if some of them, like I wonder if the Swamp Thing two issue, will just go with the first trade of uh, Ram V Swamp Thing because it'll thematically tie with that, and it doesn't really fit anywhere else to go as a collection. It's possible, but I I think it'll probably be in a in a more random collection because otherwise I would have expected the backups from the Justice League book to be in with his Justice League Dark trade next. They might still be there. I mean, they might. It's just like the first time they've doubled up. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like some of these, I mean, that that Superman one is like 450 pages. That's a very meaty paperback. Yeah. I think they've probably done the math and they've realized that selling a thicker book makes them more money and more people buy the full book. Whereas if you sell it as like three different trades, a lot of people will buy the first one but won't bother, you know, hardly any will buy two and three. So they'll make more money by selling one thicker trade even if technically per page they're making less money they're actually making more money in general it's very possible uh would be my guess uh there's not really anything super interesting in the trades i don't think uh, they're doing more absolute swamp thing by moore uh yeah batman dan getting a paperback release now yeah uh flash by mark wade book eight solicited so that's you know they're still finishing off that run which is nice uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, oh, there's a second uh, Tales from Dark Multiverse hardcover featuring the the, the weird second wave that we had. The, the, <laughs> the ones that we opted out of. Yes, after we read one of them, and went. This is not as good as the first time. Let's just leave. <laughs> this is a particularly weird collection because it, they felt like maybe it wasn't big enough, even though it's mm-hmm. still fairly meaty with just those one shots. But it's like plus the stories that inspired inspired these tales. Mm. Like, so you got Flashpoint issue one, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths issue 12. Like, just one issue which, from these stories. Yeah, so which is stupid. Weird. Like, Flashpoint issue one on its own is nothing. Like, like you have to read all the whole uh, arc. Imagine reading Crisis on Infinite Earths 12 and nothing <laughs> else from that story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That is your, your solicits for me. Uh, some interesting stuff in there. Uh, for the most part, though, I'm still just kind of excited for all this stuff going forward from March onwards. All these new, mm-hmm. new runs slash new books slash whatever. Uh, looks good. So, there you go. Shall we talk about comic books then? Shall we dive in? Mm-hmm. I suppose we should. All right. Future State Dark Detective issue three. Mariko Tamaki uh, on the main story with Dan Mora, and then Matthew Rosenberg on the backup with Carmine DJ Domenico. Uh, that is the, the Grifter story. Uh, and this is one that we've, we've generally been quite positive on. Uh, it's maybe not hitting quite the amazing highs that next Batman has in places, or one or two other ones have, but uh, mm-hmm. Dan Mora's art, I mean, every every shot, every panel of him with the neon city behind him is 
still yeah. pleasing my uh my eye holes. So <laughs> just so, laughing at eye holes. Oh, I bet you are. I mean look at look at that. It's like the second or third page. It's a silhouette of uh I mean, I don't know if it's hinting that that's Catwoman because there's a cat behind her, but uh the woman standing on her balcony with just all the, 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 the electric billboards and shit. It is gorgeous. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be Catwoman. I think it's just yeah textural. Um, but again, Jordi Belair doing a great job here. You know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. So uh, Bruce is still working with the old man who's paranoid, and his daughter's mad at Bruce for kind of enabling him a little bit, uh, which kind of leads to where she works, and she's been followed by the magistrate. Uh, but it starts with a bit of a murder mystery. There's a a, a wealthy. Uh, dude who's been murdered and he's he's like fancy penthouse and basically it's the magistrate murdering the competition anyone who has like tech and stuff that or weapons mm-hmm. tech that could be used by anyone but them they want to have this monopoly and all the fancy tech in the city uh but bruce tries to catch some of these nanobots with a net <laughs> from a rooftop he literally just has a net yeah. that he throws out. <laughs> also i thought fly fishing was something else so it was like a weird mixed metaphor. Don't look at me. So, I have no idea what fly fishing is. Yeah. So fly fishing, I mean, this that's, is just that's the one where you you wade out and stand kind of deep into the river. Yeah, right? and then you you whip the the lure and stuff like it's a fly. Yeah. You know, and the fish jump up and grab it. That's not what he's doing here. This is like an invisible net. So I mean, he's just net fishing. You know, like commercial fishing. It doesn't sound so, good though. Yeah, I know, but just uh, again, mixed metaphor. I'm I'm gonna chalk it up to Bruce having a ton of head injuries over the years. And I mean, he he's just you know he's capturing flying fish, technically. So something like that. Fly fishing. He's he's, he's fishing for flies. Flyer fishing is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Uh, and it's about a trial and error because he basically the first couple of times he tries to like tamper with one, it just explodes in his face because they're, you know, they're, they're built with the uh, f- you know firewalls, literally, right. <laughs> technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then of course it triggers some drones and shit, so we get some cool action of him like jumping around. Uh, he actually does randomly land in an alleyway, and behind him is the next Batman. Uh, and we kind of expected this to pop up at some point in one of these books. Uh, <laughs> Still not exactly sure what the timeline is, and I caught her. I don't care. Yeah. I wasn't even gonna try with the official because it just it, nothing is adding up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so. not. I'm not worried about the timeline. Uh, I, I'm just sort of roll, going with the flow. Uh, yep. So face to face, I think it's interesting that they clearly make Bruce look like he's the shorter of the two. Uh, yeah, which is yep. which is which is cool. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of a, a dick measuring moment, but they just sort of back down. Uh, and I Bruce do like the to... split panels of them both walking mm-hmm. away. Mm. Yeah, it's nice because both over the shoulder. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but basically Bruce is able to hack into one of these nanobots that he's found, and essentially gets access to the infinite security footage that they've the that they've accumulated yeah, in the city. It reminds me of the end of Dark Knight. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, with, with, bit. with what Lucius had set up there, you know. Um, yeah, do me a favor, Matt, and shut your door, will you? Oh man. <laughs> There's some sort of oh, movies outside. Someone was cutting their 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 hedges. I have no idea. 
Thankfully, right. I just listened to music. And it, was, it was a hedge trimmer. Was it, Matt? Was it a hedge trimmer? Yeah, someone, someone's moving into a house by us, and they're doing work outside. Mm. So selfish. I had, to shut, I had to shut the window. I knew I heard something. Oh. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, all of this just feeds into the paranoia. Um, and the daughter's really mad at him. Uh, but he decides to kind of, kind of pursue her because she's clearly been followed by these these uh, bots and drones and whatnot. Uh, and this leads to a, a building where he's basically ambushed by a bunch of the drones, uh, which is kind of the, you know, the sort of the ending trap, the cliffhanger that, uh, that it ends on. Um, I have to say, I mean, obviously the artist done a lot of lifting here, but like I did really enjoy him, his pursuit at the end, like him looking up at the building, which it feels really imposing as he's looking up at it. Yeah, uh, honestly, I think the art is the biggest thing this has going for it because I think I was really feeling it, this issue. This is, you know, three of four in this story, and the pacing is just not there for me. I still feel like I've barely got a handle on what this story is actually doing as a story beyond just here's some of the stuff in this in this world. I think I'm getting that from a lot of features, especially now this month that we're getting a lot of the, the back halves of the two two parters. I think a lot of them are feeling some like... Some more than others, but some still manage to feel like an actual story while setting up something, whereas this doesn't feel like there's an actual story that it's telling. No, I, I feel that the story is like how the Magistrate eventually did take over because they took out the competition of all the... So they, they got their tech and then took out the tech. Well, that's that's not guys. the story, though. That's background. For the, for this particular four-issue arc, <clears throat> that's background information. That's not the story. Well, no, I mean, it kind of is a story in that Bruce is actively yeah. investigating it and discovering these things. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's very much detective in the uh, yeah, detective. It's very, you know... It's very much kind of working as a foundation for all the other bat stuff revolving around the magistrate. Uh mm -hmm. Where it's really well, setting is, the scene for, for everything else. Yeah, that's else. why I realized that the magistrate's not a person, it's a group. Also, that really drove it home. You know, because when it first started, it sounded like the magistrate was one person, kind of like a dictator. But no, it seems like it's a group of people that are making, you know, the decisions. Like Peacekeeper one, because Bruce puts together that that's why they came after him. It wasn't necessarily because they knew he was Batman, but because Wayne Tech contributed so much to that tech that they took him out. Um, so they could take over whatever. Um, yeah, all, all Alicia's yeah. Fox, his uh, yep. tech could it could it be a you know a rival mm -hmm. to them? So it was kind of right. the, the tactic. Um, I think that's Bruce got a lot of atmosphere. It's really sort of painting the world that Gotham is right now, um, and I think that's benefiting to other the other Bat books as well as this one. Um, I so I do I kind of agree that there's not really much of a a, a full complete package in the sense that i don't really feel like getting into this last issue that there's a a story that's about to really pay off and i'm really you know waiting for that that final beat but mm -hmm. um i do think it's functioning very well as is what it's actually doing though uh and I think, i'm yeah, no, no, yeah i think i'd be a lot more forgiving of that if this was a two issue story if this was a two issue things you know like say kind of being this foundational piece for gotham i'd be a lot more forgiving but it's a it's a four issue story and it's a, a full length you know, four issue story at that where I'm like, I feel like I need, uh, I want a bit more out of this. I'm not, I'm not getting much out of it beyond just, oh, I'm, I'm seeing things for the rest of the world. But in its own right, I'm not getting much out of it, despite really enjoying the art. Uh, and yeah, that, that does keep me engaged enough as I'm reading it. I think what's funny is that if this was an ongoing 
I'd have zero complaints. Uh, because, uh, no, I agree with that. Because I feel like he's done a really good job of setting up this old man and his daughter. There's a supporting cast. It's, it feels almost mm-hmm. like a weird... Uh, oh, maybe not a miniseries, but like a, a like a like a season in the Batman world where this, this is what Bruce is doing now, where he's he's having to be really low tech, he's having to hide in some basement. If uh, this was the first arc of a book, I would have very little complaints on this regard specifically. I'd be like, okay, it's taking its time, it's building to stuff, but the fact that okay, this is a four issue mini, the context of that, you know, I'm judging it on that behalf, and you know that, that's where I feel the pacing is lacking, and I'm like. In my head, I'm going, well, I'm sure it's going to get a sequel story now somewhere in one of these other books. That's, what, sure I'm th- gonna do more, that's what I'm thinking. That's that's still kind of not good enough for me. Like That's that's fine. We'll get that when it gets that. But if you're selling me a four-issue series, I still need something out of that four-issue series without going, oh, but you've got to come back for the next story somewhere else to, to get anything out of this. And that's kind of where I feel right now. Hmm. I don't know. I just like the ride that we're on with with it because it does feel different from the next Batman, right? Like they're telling two different stories in Gotham, so you know uh, it doesn't seem like Bruce cares who this new Batman was, right? Like he was just kind of like you're in my way. No, I, I actually, suit. I, uh, I really like that moment where he's like, well, yeah, the Batman can't die. The, of course, there's a new mm-hmm. one. Uh, you know, um, yeah. the Batman is dead. Long live the Batman. Right. Yeah, it's more than just a man. It's just the, just the legend. It's the myth. It's, it's all that. The, the symbol right. I think he uses as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it's that classic Batman stuff. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, so I like that aspect of it. Yeah, to sort of expand this, I think not just even just for the state of Gotham. I think the future state in general. It it feels like they clearly do have plans that where future state that like whatever future state is overall isn't just this two month thing. There's clearly mm-hmm. some kind of plan to come back to this and. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it'll be like a future state era where, you know, we'll have another month and, I, you know, maybe this time next year they'll do another month or two where everything stops and we get like almost like a concluding chapter that'll end the, the ongoing anthology book and we'll get like the the ending of whatever the future state status quo is because, uh, you know, whatever. But I have to say, I, I hope it's not another month of interrupting books. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fine with having regular ongoing books or minis alongside everything else if they just want that to be its own you know little pocket ongoing that's that's cool i don't disagree but, with that i don't necessarily want i don't want to stop all the books again either uh i would rather they didn't do that but i wouldn't be surprised if they did uh mm. i guess yeah yeah that's fair yeah yeah uh so yeah no it's very covered. the art is beautiful um and I, I do think the, the overall feeling of the book um so it's neat. And I actually kind of like the daughter chewing him out for enabling the old man. Yeah. Like, really? Well, because it's <laughs> it's very much Bruce taking advantage of a situation like he always does, right? Like something that Alfred would have chewed him out for too, you would think. You know, it's like, no, this, this man has issues and you're just feeding into them to get what you want, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And he makes like uh, goggles that can see the nanobots, mm-hmm. uh, which is what yeah. he's... Uh, and the, the old guy can somehow hear them. Yeah, he's not just paranoid. No. Yeah, yeah. The, the alien sounds are are the you know drones that are you know pervasive. Yeah, in the city. he's not completely sane because he thinks they're aliens. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. Right. He's making a leap as to what they are, yeah. but there is actually something there that yes. he is hearing. It's not like he's just inventing everything. He's yeah. He's, it's not complete nonsense. 
so that was the the main story in Dark Detective issue three. So, uh, Matt, what are you rating that story? Uh, I'm gonna give this one a seven point five. Car, I'll give it a six. Uh, Arsenal, I think I'm gonna give it the eight. I think the Arsenal enough for me to just give it that extra little bump. So, uh, there you go. Uh, the other story, of course, is the Matthew Rosenberg uh, story. This is the Grifter. Uh, where he just ran into Hunt- Huntress, who's got a bit of a rep, the magistrate really want her, uh, which is where this issue kind of goes, because she does have a way out of the city. Uh, uh, Luke Fox pays to get his way out, and she ultimately takes them to this uh, ultra-fancy, like, undetectable like submarine or whatever it is that, that's going to take him out of the city. Uh, but there's a bit of a twist, where uh, Luke turns out that he is working for the magistrate, and this was all all just a big plot to get to Huntress, because they really want her. Uh, so ultimately, Grifter, who does get a chance to leave, but it's basically leaving Huntress for dead. He makes these heroic sort of sacrificial choice moment where he decides to go and help her instead and get her out of the city, and he'll take the beating, he'll stay and fight, mm-hmm. uh, and give her a chance to still sort of like you know do a resistance, but from a distance or regroup and come back or or whatever it may be. Resistance from a distance. Resistance from a distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the story had me until the Luke Fox thing. Just because, again, with the timeline, and this does not feel like the same Luke. Like, I know it felt like he was under duress, like he was doing it for whatever reason, but just, I don't know. It came like a twist for the sake of having a twist. No, I agree, because it feels like the Luke that we know is a stronger yeah. moral character than that. And yeah, and just kind of like... And make this choice. I think, I, I kind of agree, it, it, came, it came suddenly for me as well. Mm-hmm. I, what I will defend a little bit, is that I do think him trying to actually let Grifter go, that no, I imagine they'll care much about you. He, he does kind of go out of his way to try and give him an option to leave. So there is some sort of moral compass still there, even if he is yeah, kind but, of being a dick elsewhere. Right, but it felt like when we were trying to get Huntress, you're collateral, and because you helped out my dad way back in the day, I'm going to let you go. And versus a, hey, they have my family. I, I tried to trip them up. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they're the, just there's a different way to do it, you know, for yeah, it to be like, Luke Fox. It just it was weird. It never felt like it was under duress at all. Like, you know, they, you know, no. Luke's and ah, it's a job. You know, it's nothing personal. And right. you know, he goes, oh, we we got the Queen of Clubs. That's all anyone cares about. It feels like he's in on this. Like he, right, which seems different there. than the Luke that we've been dealing with in the next Batman, where it seems like there's still that Luke that we know of, but he's just keeping his head down. Here it feels like he's completely sold out. Right. And it's just bizarre because obviously, you know, having like you know, Jason Todd being working for, for Magistrate, yeah, I buy that right. 100%. Right. But, you know, this this Luke who, you know, who who, who spent time as, as Batwing and, and such, right. doesn't feel like the same character anymore. It feels like or, it's out of nowhere. Or tie whatever happened to his sister to Huntress and be like, I want to get her, you know, I, and I that think, would seed that a little bit, something, you I know, think, there's just. I think that's kind of the point, is this is supposed to tell us how far gone he is, and this is obviously further on the timeline than what yeah, we've seen maybe, of him in the next Batman. Maybe, uh, it just it felt hollow, that's all. I don't disagree know? with that, but I think that's yeah. the logic behind it, and I, I think this is supposed to tell us how far gone he is, and that maybe they should have done a better job of actually kind of, mm-hmm. at least I, giving us a hint to why he is this far I, gone uh, now. I have a question, Pete. If you were only reading Dark Detective and you weren't reading the next Batman, and, you know, so you don't have context for luke anywhere else in in future state would you be defending this 
at all? Like, would you be going, oh, there's there's reasons? It just in this book. Um, I don't know because I don't think I don't think you think I'm defending it for the reasons you think I'm defending. And I'm not even defending it that much because I actually no, agree no, that it but, comes out of nowhere. Okay, defending that that logic of oh, there's you know the the stuff that you know that we've seen elsewhere and this has shown where he's gotten to. I think if you haven't read those other things, this this is even worse out of nowhere. Uh, I mean that's. I guess that's somewhat true, but I don't think that's any more or less true in the context of Future State than it is to any other time there's a ongoing crossover-style thing happening, where if you're not reading the two separate books that happen to relate to a character, you'll be equally right, lost. Right, but usually if a book is following a character, in this case, you know, Luke, usually if there are, if there are big character twists and turns, you've got at least some context for that within that book story you know otherwise i'd say it's just bad writing uh very possibly i mean if they're treating him like a character who's like darting around different books to, and you get kind of a, a full picture mm -hmm. not that i necessarily expect them to have another luke fox pop up somewhere else by the end of the month that kind of adds more to why he is this way um at least if they do i at least understand the sort of the logic of okay we see part of the journey in one book the end of the journey in this book and then kind of the middle of the journey elsewhere uh, and it's kind of a through line. If you if you if you've been paying attention to a lot of future state, you're rewarded for seeing all the different corners, and it kind of builds something out of that. Like I could see the you appeal know, of that and why they do that. I, and I don't even want to just put it strictly on Rosenberg. I feel like there's like this is one where editing would have helped a little bit. You know, sometimes they talk about editing having their hands a little bit too much in stuff, but I just feel like a little bit of oversight here would clear up a lot i think it's it's possible that the editors are a little bit too in the weeds themselves where they know all mm -hmm. the beats from right. the other books and and they're not seeing the problem from a detached right. point of view because you know the, the information is just there in the head uh and then i i guess i'm just impressed enough that i like the voice of the character and i was the same was, was the first half mm -hmm. and i like the choice he makes at the end to go back and help huntress that it kind of was successful because it actually made me give at least a bit of a shit about Grifter. Because um, yeah. I don't disagree, the Luke Fox twist it does feel a bit out of nowhere. Um, it feels a bit, I don't know if I say shock value per se, but because uh, it's also not that shocking necessarily either. No. I, I'm kind of indifferent to No, it's to like it. a twist for the sake of having a twist. It's a That's... bit easy, isn't it? It's a bit cheap. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. But he's not the main character. Grifter is, and I actually think it did a decent enough job of making me like Grifter a little bit. Uh, where, I'm not saying that I care about Grifter enough that I would pick up any Grifter story now, but you know, Rosenberg's doing more of Grifter, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll see continuation, i see what he's going to do with him, because I actually kind of like mm -hmm. the, uh, the star Lordy kind of feel that he has for him. Uh, so I'd describe him. Yeah, well, I will say it's the most I've, I've liked Grifter just based off of, because I always felt like they've been trying to wedge him in ever since New 52, because of Wildstorm. And he's never had a reason to stand out. So here, like Pete said, there's a little Star Lordy anti-hero, like put upon. Like I don't want to be the hero. Guy. Yeah, like I don't want to be the hero, but y'all are making me do it. So, you know. And then when he got his those like plasma guns, it definitely felt like, you know, Wildcats era. I remember seeing comic shops in the '90s. You know, like yeah. All right, this is the familiar character now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any debate that the Luke Fox element of this is the weakest part of it. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's any debate in that, but... 
I think everything else is actually surprisingly fun. Uh, and I'm like, hey. I actually, when I went to this this book, I actually thought, oh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to the second half of that Grifter story, which I don't mm-hmm. think I was expecting to ever think. So Strange <laughs> sentence to hear you say. Yeah, so... Again, I don't think I care about Grifter in general now, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely down to try more of Williams or uh, Rosenberg's Grifter. You, you're more open yeah. to Grifter than you yeah. were before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it depends on the voice. It depends on these things, but uh, I think I, I like the Huntress inclusion as well. I like that she got a little bit of time here to shine and feel a little bit important. Uh, so that's nice. And obviously, uh, Gio Domenico's art's very good, especially in the action, all the, all the car chasing stuff that goes on. Uh, oh, the action's all mm-hmm. spectacular throughout. Yeah, my oh, yeah, shoe looks good. It's Gia Domenico. Like, that's what we expect, right? Is, is the movement of action and stuff. Yeah. And delivers yeah, here. Real sense of momentum in the uh, the, mm-hmm. the chase when they're on the, the bike. Yeah, because his general like, standing around faces are okay, but it's the it's the momentum yeah. and the action that where he really shines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no question about that. Uh, what are you giving this story, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give this one a... We'll go a seven. Huh? Uh, it's another six from me, I think. Yeah, I would agree with my. I think seven is quite fair for this. Uh, it has problems, obviously, but uh, I, I like. I liked it. I was surprised. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the the, the two part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book as a whole, Matt. What are you going with? Uh, I'll just give it a seven. Twenty seven across. Connor. Uh, very easy for me. I gave both stories the same score, so it's a it's a six. Well, I had a seven <laughs> and eight, so I'll I'll split the difference and call it a seven point five. But mm. uh, there you go. That's a math. Dark Detective, <laughs> uh, issue issue three, uh, which will take us on. Ooh. Future State. I'll take that again, Charles, since Connor hiccuped the start of the sentence. Just just for the when it's caught up for YouTube, it's not starting with a hiccup. Well, I'm very sorry. I tried to hold it in. I uh, see our twenty one invading the show yet again. He's gonna go. You didn't try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I suffer with the extra pain of of, of holding them in. Instead of just you know letting them come out and and, and I'll I'll try and mitigate the damage, but but no that's fine they'll be grateful. So you know, uh, Matt saying try hard there. I mean just made me reminded me that I just discovered that there's a character in Death Stranding called Die Hardman. <laughs> Die Hardman is the character's name. Oh man, I thought that was funny. Future uh, <laughs> State Justice League issue two. Joshua Elmson. Uh, writing with uh, Marcio Takara on the first story, uh, Ram V with Robson Rocky on the second. Or if I mixed the artist stuff, I mean, all the way around. Yeah, yeah. I swapped the yep. artist around. Uh, but that's that's the that's the people. That's the peoples. Uh, so yeah, so we have the uh, oh, I've forgotten the names. Uh, the, the group Hyperclan. Hyperclan. Thank you. Uh, the Hyperclan have infiltrated and are pretending to be the Justice League, and this is the story of the real Justice League. Uh, you know, and but we'll just say, you know, I mean, you know, John's team with the Ara Floor and Joe and all the rest yep. of them. Uh, basically, learn their lesson that they should know who each other are, and that the reason why the, this was able to even happen is because they don't know each other well enough. Uh, at least not all of them. Clearly, part of this, and we kind of talked about this in the first issue, that clearly pairs of them do kind of know each other a bit more than the, the letting on, and that kind of yeah. becomes a focus here where they kind of reveal, hey, I know you're really you because you usually do this, and I know you're usually really you because you would never say that. Uh, uh-huh. and they have this moment where they sort of go around in a circle um, and because they're in the, the, the earth hell that the, the full of fire that the Justice League put the Hyper Clan in because they're white Martians and this was going to be a right. place that would 
keep them prison forever. Um, uh, they're flash. Kind of, kind of brutal coming from the Justice League. As a knowing bit. <laughs> what we know about Martian physiology, it's a bit harsh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So was was know. John on the team at this point? Because that seems particularly no. cruel if he was. Yeah. No, because uh, Andy mentions remembering her, her parents talking her about parents talking uh, that. So that's just clearly something that's happened later to us. It's not something that's it, happened so it, far in the upcoming Bendis run. Is what you're saying? Possibly, it may be in between. Yeah, yeah, it may be in the Bendis run. Uh, but the yeah. idea that she remembered her, you know, her parents talking about the Hyperclan and how because you know, yeah, bad it there was. was a, it kind of reminded me of of uh, Identity Crisis a little bit. That mm. it seemed like there might have been a split amongst the Justice League. The way that Andy puts it, like I remember my parents talking about, like it didn't go over well with everybody. You know. Mm. Uh, yeah, she she but, says that you know uh, Aquaman thought it was too cruel. Yeah. So, Which honestly, if there's anything to suggest that this might be an arc in Bendis' Justice League, it's maybe that conversation. Yeah, maybe. there's drama to be had from it, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, the stuff that I like from their interpersonal things were just these little tiny, like, and that's where I really love Williamson. Like, the John pointing out that the Batman hums his own music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he has some action stuff. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, like, uh, um... Uh, what was the other one on there? Uh, I'm having a hard time. I've read too many comic books this week. <laughs> um, or, or towards the end, where Andy's like, only one person calls me princess. Yeah. You know. Well, the one I, like I really liked is, the, so so their Flash basically runs them out of this place with Speed Force, yeah. bro. Don't have to explain shit. Uh, right. But, they're, so they're fighting the Hyper Clan, and they're all sort of duplicating the Justice League, so it becomes this, okay, we have to figure out if we're fighting our real friend or we're fighting the, the, the duplicate, mm-hmm. the hyper clan member who's pretending to be one of the other Justice League members. And my favorite part of this is when Joe makes two of them say, hey, did, did I tell you, like, you know, who... who like, uh, t- tell me who my first relationship in the Endurance City was. Yes. And mm-hmm. they basically say, oh yeah, we remember that. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those long names from her book that we, you know, right. we always joked about. Um, so, of course, who could forget a name like that? And Joe's like, yeah, I never talked about this. The only way you could know that is if you read my mind. Therefore, you're White Martians. Yeah. Blast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I it was really interesting that her construct that she fights them with is the uh, the, the the Flash and Batman yeah, that we're familiar with. Yeah, mm-hmm. which that was the other thing I liked is they talked about that Joe only uses certain constructs depending on her mood. Which they get, they we get know, more elaborate as she gets she more gets cocky. Whatever it was. Oh, is it cocky? Right. Now? And so, like, we know from how her ring works, right? That the ring's kind of fueled by her versus the central power battery. Mm. So I like that little layer there that Williamson kind of threw in. Um, yeah. Yeah, that and, was the other one. And another thing to do with the Hyperclan is that the leader is very determined to just, you know, revenge, whereas the others are kind of like, you know, we're kind of getting used to just pretending to be the Justice League. It's like, we could just be yeah, happy here. Yeah. Just do yeah. This. People like us. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the worshipping is like we're gods. We should we could just keep yep. doing this. But uh of course, uh super villain gonna super villain. Uh, eventually Batman shows up in Flamethrower as the leader, uh, to stop him from enacting his plan and uh they agree to all go to dinner together and actually get to know. Uh, and the end of the book is them saying, Okay, who should we invite to join the Justice League? And we get a page of a bunch of potentials. I think that's Tim Drake there. You got uh, Guardian and Mr. Miracle, Miss Martian. Uh, Lobo's daughter, or whoever she is. Oh, <laughs> that, that that was the that was the one that made me go. Oh, please not her. <laughs> it's fine. Who, who's that uh, at, the, at the back? Do you, don't know. I actually uh, is that maybe uh, the Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman? 
Oh, Nubia. Maybe? Maybe. It's uh, hard I'm... to tell. It's because it's only. Unless it's like a grown up Naomi or something with that, with different hair. But... That's. I, maybe. Because it's, it's hard just, to tell. It's just a face. It's just a face, yeah. So we're, we're going basically on. It's a black woman uh, with long hair. Uh, but. Yeah. I, I think. Um, I appreciate this story. You know, it, it felt like. Oh, no. It's an actual two part with an ending. We, we wrapped up the, the Hyperclan thing. It had a an arc of them learning that they need to trust each other a bit. But then it has this epilogue that clearly sets up, okay, there's going to be more of this somewhere. I don't know. I mean, Williamson mentioned he's got books haven't been announced um, that later in the year. Yeah. Maybe this is part of that. Um, uh, you know, if he's doing the follow-up, mm-hmm. makes sense. I can see it not continuing as well, bizarrely. I think this actually kind of works. It's just a nice, like, uh, you know, this just like, will expand, and here's some of the, the characters growing up that might be the expansion. Well, I, can, I can see it working as just a... Thing, or if he never thing. gets to write Justice League again, he gets to write a round table. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like if so if we weren't um, getting other future state books continuing announcements over the last well, year, month or so, I would probably not have leapt to this. But given that we are and, and we know that they're quite happy to just do some. Yeah, more just stuff the with fact it. just the fact too that they've made a big idea or a big deal about this new flash not being from this earth. Mm, right. that's true that's a mystery that's still to be unraveled you're right yeah so it almost makes me wonder if there's more just there and because the flash and time travel you could do a story in the future where he'd get to touch on it yeah. versus oh, just yeah. a whole series i could see that so, um uh, yeah i mean obviously like uh, there's a lot of potential for a lot of these books to continue this is the one that had an ending though that felt like this could just be like a two-part that never just comes back to yeah this, this could totally just be the, the last thing that's all hopeful kind of mm-hmm. you know continuation thing um uh Rokas art uh most surprising. perfectly solid yeah, um nifty. i really I like that last fair. page uh, yeah i was gonna say there's some wonky stuff and the action's good but like that last page where they're all sitting together at the table like eating Almost it's kind of the Avengers movie ending, right? With the shawarma. Mm. Um, weirdly, I feel like that's the the, the big page in, in, all, in all of this. And they're just sitting there, and I think that's the best work. But I just so, I remember the other moment I really liked is that when they're starting yeah. to like bond a little bit in the middle of the fight, uh, or before they come back, and one of them reveals their name, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know if it was Joe, but you know, I'm Joe, and you are... And Batman just goes, uh, too soon. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. not doing it. <laughs> not ready for this. But he does have his kill done at the end of the book. So clearly mm-hmm. he has gotten to that point where he's, he's and, open. You know, and she calls him Jace. Yeah. Which, again, it's going to be really interesting to see this transition. Because obviously th- there's still some books and solicits calling him Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we have you know other books like this calling him Jace. Oh. So I don't know where in oh. the timeline that transition takes place. Well, there's that and on the fact that the... The solicit for the the digital first book says that he's older than Luke, which I didn't realize, because mm. they mm. called Luke his, his younger brother. So there's a whole, which whole bunch of mystery to this yeah. guy. Yeah, so he has to be quite old here then, compared to the others, yeah. because you know Andy's just a baby <laughs> in present day, and he's actually functioning Bruce. as Batman at the same time as an older Bruce, and you know right. because we saw him interact. So. Right. I mean, if we say Andy is in what her early twenties at this point, mm-hmm. yeah. So give it, you know, give it add twenty years from now. And, well, and we Luke's, don't know how old Luke's got to be mid twenties, right? Best. And, and if he's older, he's got to be in his late forties at least. He's like an almost fifty-year-old. Yeah. 
right man hanging out with these kids is, is that actually so different from bruce a lot of the time when you when you sit and think uh, about it it's like he's got to be in his like late 40s at least i guess it's just because all the other characters do feel like they would be yeah. really young i mean because i mean i suppose technically even john compared to andy <laughs> is a good 15 years older i mean that's yeah. something that isn't really we don't really think about but now i'm thinking about it mm -hmm. you know john if she's like 22 he'll be like 37 or something like that right Right. Yeah, I mean, what age? You know, obviously he got aged up. Yeah. You know, when he came back, you know, roughly. I don't know the exact age, but I'm, I'm going to say sixteen. Say, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. 16. Yeah. So he's got to be mid thirties, early forties. I'm sorry for bringing that up. I don't <laughs> like thinking about all the timey wimey. <laughs> yeah. And I was in Peter Parker going, hmm, these characters yeah. look young. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe some of them are characters a bit younger. Uh, which is funny because I, I don't think that Yara comes across as being like close to 40 like john's supposed to be if no, we think about but it amazons are are timeless like yeah. diana could be 800 years old for all we know and she <laughs> looks like she's in her I mean, that's fair. early 30s you know what i mean so same could go for you well, with with joe i would have said oh we, 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 i mean for all we know her story took place in the future anyway until of course mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier in the solicits that she's popping right. up in present day green latin books so right. <laughs> but even then, her origin is tied to very much present-day themes. Mm. So how far into the future could she be? You yeah. know? So I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is that most a lot of these characters should be 40 or 50, and they're still in their mid-20s, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so just don't think about it. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. That's good yeah. advice. There you go. Uh, so that's, that's the main story. Uh, Matt, what are you giving uh, Just Sleek? Uh, I'm gonna give this one an eight. Connor, uh, give it a seven. I think it's perfectly good. Seven point five. I'll split the difference. And then, of course, the second story, the backup story, is the Justice League Dark story uh, with Ram V and Marcio Takara. Uh, I have to confess, I looked at the first page of this and went, "Nah, I'm not feeling it." Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was about to ask if you read it because I was like, "I, yeah. I, I I'm not I, sure if you would." Because I, I wasn't super into the first part. Uh, uh, last month and then i looked at the first page or two of this and i just went you know what i'm good so you two take it away you yeah i did not realize that this was going to turn into such an etrigan story uh, at its core yeah well and then looking at the solicits too not to do to this too many times in this one book but it seems like this is his team that ram's gonna go with i intentionally you know? didn't read solicit because i'm still upset okay well that book. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyways, this seems to be the team. You got Ragman, you got Etrigan, you got Detective Chimp, uh, uh, Zatanna. Zatanna, and then Dr. Fate, it well, seems. So, I don't I don't think so. No, they weren't okay. listed. But So this is who it seems like he's going to be using. So this feels much like some of the other books, where it feels like he's kind of doing a preview of what the themes are going to be. Um, yeah. But here we get kicked off with uh, Fate, because as we, we came in the last issue, he was disguised as a homeless person um, to, to keep, get away from Merlin, and that Merlin destroyed the Tower of Fate, which kind of left Naboo in shambles. So, um, what's his character's name? Um, who's the new Fate, Connor? Uh, Khalid. Khalid, yeah, there we go. So Khalid ends up finding another patron because um, he couldn't find Naboo, who's the Egyptian goddess uh, Hawet. Hawet? I, I don't know how to... Hawet? Yeah, I, I'm not sure entirely either. Yeah, so, so just basically I looked, of course, up this Naturally. god. 
and it's kind of the personification of belief which that's a I, really interesting one actually yeah so like so when when she appears she you know becomes the new naboo basically who you know powers dr fate and gives him you know gives khalid of you know these visions of the future and that's what led to him going into hiding because it was very important that he doesn't uh you know that, that merlin doesn't get his hands on the, the helm pretty much though um, i know that would be catastrophically bad right and you know Khalid comes out and tells Atrigan basically that like hey i know that merlin sidelined you by telling you you know that he killed jason blood so like he followed through on that so you have to push through and and go on and we have to defeat merlin yeah and then it, and I- the main part of the issue with Etrigan becomes him and him and detective chimp kind of arguing uh, you know about what he has to do really interesting from Etrigan's point of view you know the, or uh, you know as a character study you know right. that Etrigan has a conscience now and has become a better person and he thinks uh. he he's scared as to whether or not he's actually a better person or if mm-hmm. it's just Jason Blood's you know where, you know conscience to say essentially has like you know affected well, him a little bit yeah but you know and that's where detective chimp kind of tells us like well no you guys are bonded together forever he was going to rub off on you you're going to rub off on him yeah. yeah, that's just the so, the part, and uh, it also goes towards that belief, right? Of that almost kind of breaks down into religion too, to where the well, if you're a good person because you think there's a reward, you're still being a good person, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about it's, that belief, and it is. You, it's really interesting because this, yeah, this version of Edgar doing here reminds me a lot of Amos in the Expanse. Mm-hmm. Just trying okay. to get Pete's attention again. Sure. Uh, yeah, Amos. Yes, Expanse. Yes. No. Um, but trying to in the does he rhyme too <laughs> no he doesn't speak enough no. to rhyme no um but no amos the uh, whole thing is he, he was kind of a terrible shitty person and didn't mm-hmm. really have any concept of morality and relied on on holden then to kind of tell him what was right and wrong and over time he started to learn like oh what would right. what would what would he do um and etrigan's kind of like that with jason blood it seems where it's like all right. Well, what would Jason do in this scenario? Well, you know, would he make the you know well, what would the, the right call be? And it's it's really interesting Etrigan having these moral debates with himself uh, as opposed to just burning everything. Yeah, and so you know, and then the rest of the action kind of is in between their discussion like is Zatanna riding a ragman dragon. Yes, and you know, um, uh, fate squaring off with the Chantress who is the knight and the armor um, that, that we've been seeing in, in the last issue. And, uh, you know, uh, Constantine, you know, ends up talking with her uh, about, um, and Zatanna about Wonder Woman, which I think is a nice tie to the previous Justice League Dark. And uh, again, you know, about how Wonder Woman basically had the power to be whatever she wanted, yet she chose still just to be herself. You know, because there's a slime where he goes, who, she could have been many things, a warrior, a god, a witch, a queen, but she chose to be herself. And if she were here, she'd say, you know, and then basically the summation of this fight, um, yeah. which which leads Merlin to them. And, you know, they're on the ropes before Etrigan shows up and uh, come to find out that, that Jason Blood isn't dead. And he has he's, he's, yeah, an angel sword. Probably from Zuriel, right? I'm assuming so, yeah. Yeah, and, and runs Etrigan through, you know? Um, yeah, and 
And this is the bit where, uh, yeah, so, you know, fate steps in, uh, where, you know, because Jason is going to just, you know, execute him. He's got him down. He's, he's about to, yeah. you know, take the head off. And, you know, fate steps in and, and blocks it. And it's here where Khalid has a word with Etrigan mm -hmm. that I think is where this is going to tie into the, the run going forward. Because mm -hmm. Etrigan's pretty pissed because he's like, hey, you told me that, that Jason mm -hmm. was dead, but clearly he's not. And um, and you know, and, and Khalid kind of leans in and says, you know, tells him, you know, remember, past actions may yet be influenced by the future that you've seen. So there's this idea that going forward, is Etrigan going to remember these events and try and change the outcome? Because that's really interesting as to yeah. how this is actually important to the run, rather right. than just being a two-issue well, thing. And I should say, I did some as you were talking to you, uh, more about uh, that that goddess, the Egyptian goddess. It's also the God and kind of the Egyptian representation of the infinite in eternity. Right. So you, you couple that with the belief. And I think, I think you're onto something to uh, where I, now Etrigan being kind of this almost interdimensional being, right. Like he's not bound to, to exact timelines, yeah. you know, being and, a, being a demon. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I thought it was kind of funny. They had a Khalid, uh, Dr. Fate, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, spinning the uh, the Doctor Strange line from Infinity yeah. War. Uh, he's like, you know, I I've seen all these futures. I've lived all of them. You know, there's only one future which we win, and this mm -hmm. is not one of them. Um, right. It was kind of an interesting statement. Yeah, definitely. You could tell Ram V was having some fun with that. Uh, it was it was very it's, intentional. Yeah, and so, you know, basically he offers himself up to Merlin. Which you know he was told you know you can't do, um, but with that seed now planted into Etrigan, he's he's banking that, on Etrigan making sure this future never comes to pass in the first place, right? And so he goes off with them and leaves the Justice League dark, and that yeah. you know where there's magic, there's always hope. And I'm I'm really glad you told me what this uh, you know this new goddess is you know being yeah. belief because the idea that he's putting this belief into Etrigan, right? Like, no, I I believe you're going to avert this this future. Right. Is a is a really interesting angle to take. It is, yeah. Ramby is very good at what he does, thus far. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, art's art's pretty decent. It's dark in some parts, and I mean that like heavy, really inks. heavy inks. Yeah. And you know, and it plays with that. The like this is very fantastical. I mean, you got Enchantress in this. You know, not really Lord of the Rings armor, but it did remind me of Sauron. From, from what we've seen. I get where you come from. It's the shoulder plate. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, if the last one was kind of a little bit more horror with what was going on and them looking for fate and whatnot, this definitely leaned more into the fantasy, which I think is a nice balance for, you know, uh, for this book. And so the the art here really leans into that. You know, you, got, you have an angel sword running a demon through. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot, um, right? You got that first page with a uh, Khalid like in mm -hmm. Egypt, looking out, you know, like doing the you know, yep. the adventure of pose. Yeah, uh, and then you know you've got Zatanna riding a goddamn dragon. Yeah, wrapped <laughs> wrapped in in the Ragman wraps. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's it's, it's great. Cool. So, but yeah, um, so you rate it. You go first. I want to see where you're at. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, I'm gonna an eight point five. Oh, this is a blast. Uh, all right. I was too. I hate lining up with Connor, but I'm I'm really sad. I'm not going to be reading Justice League Dark for a while. I'm... I mean, you you can, 
I mean, I'll I'll read it in trades, but I'm not paying. Was it five dollars for ten pages of story? But That's... how do you know it's ten pages? You didn't read the solicit. It could be H tap. No, Rampy tweeted about it. It's ten pages. Ah, oh, damn it! I thought it's, I had you. It, it's 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 ten page backup uh, every month. I'm, I'm not paying five dollars for for a ten page. Don't worry, Matt. I've got a feeling that a patron. Yeah, someone's gonna make them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if someone wants to make me read it, I'll, I'll gratefully read the backup. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. What not, if? Trust me. They're not going to pay you to read the backup. They're paying you to read the main story. Whether yeah. you want to also read the backup, it's up to you. Yeah. I was just saying, what if they tell the them that at that point He's... I will then read the backup? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do Either that way. Uh, on right. my own free will. It's almost like a backhanded favor in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Alright. Uh, State, Superman, Wonder Woman, issue two. Dan Waters writing with Leela Del Duccio. gotta read Duccio. the whole issue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, nah, read... Pete doesn't read half a book and he just slacks off. Yeah. <laughs> read the whole issue. I'll read the whole issue. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna give this a, a an eight point five. I'm gonna go a little bit high just because it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Connor, I'm I'm gonna go with the eight overall. Um, I think the first half drags it down a little bit, obviously, but uh, but I do really like that back half. Well, uh, I read the first half, so my rating stands seven point five. Uh, so, future state Superman, Wonder Woman issue two. Dan Waters writing with Lila Del Duccia on the on the art. Uh, this is, of course, Superman. John, that is, has made this uh, pact with the the, the sun, uh, Solaris, to to have a fight. Uh, meanwhile, we find out Wonder Woman has agreed to race the sun god. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and this, this picks up pretty much right after the end of the last issue where John was falling out of the sky. Yeah, yeah, he basically he wakes up in the fortress and she's like, yeah, yeah you were sort of conscious enough to let me bring you back to here, but... Uh, Really effective coloring right from the start. Like, you know, there's, you know, this blue and the, you know, panels of the fortress and then all the, the red of the, the alarm going off and on. Uh, really effective. Yeah, but the basic gist of the issue is that they effecti- effectively spot places and Superman has the race with the, the moon god's uh, horsey. Uh, Head- headless mule. There you I go. Uh, yeah. That's horsey. And uh, basically, the idea being that if Wonder Woman defeats Solaris, then there'll be no more Red Sun, and it'll give Superman his strength back, and he'll be able to finish the race without the horse. Even he just, you know, right? Because he's losing. Superman. Uh, he's he's being lapped because they're doing they're doing laps around uh, like Pluto and back. That's that's Pluto, the lap. yeah. Because the Sun wanted just to do it around Earth and the Moon, and John's and like, like, how about we? That's gonna cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, um, basically to give her enough time too to do what she needs to do. Yes, uh, uh, and of course she she does uh, succeed uh, as you'd mm-hmm. expect um, by basically heating him, heating Solaris up so much uh, that it, it kind of goes into that that blue star phase where yep. uh, you know she explains that it was it was uh, I wouldn't say techno babbly but it was all dying sun color yes right uh, so therefore no longer red and therefore no longer making John weak problematic uh, simple yeah. stuff uh kind of epic in scale but simple stuff <laughs> um mm-hmm. so and if, you know john then wins the race because he just zooms yeah uh, past and him then at that it point. punches him anyway yeah 
Yes. Uh, the big thing, though, is that John never takes a day off, and one of the things that he has to do every day at about 10.30 is he has to fire, like, uh, like a, this blast into a black hole to save a planet that's near it, because otherwise it will consume the planet, but... Uh, they, but they have to also be in orbit, so it has to be the same time every day, and it has to sort of keep the same sort of pull as to every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, a lot of his uh, story for this issue is that he se- effectively has to trust Yara to do it at the end, so that he can have a day off, uh, yeah. which she does. She's got this big, you know, cannon thing. Uh, so yeah. in fact, probably some of my yeah. favorite art of the the book is when we see that black hole uh, pop it's up. It's so good, whatever that effect is that they're doing with it. Um, yeah. It's such a unique thing with the like the the curvature of the color. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the two-page spread where Superman punches uh, the Sun God, and then we just see the human version of him flying back through space in a full-page spread afterwards. Uh, or, or you know, very probably the the big dramatic, artistic moments of the of the book. I I love the way the sound effects are on both of those pages, and the way that they're really effectively used. Mm, yeah, the boom, uh, the, the big the yeah. boom in the in the fire, and then you know the you know the the falling effect that uh, that that he is behind him. Yeah, nice. I don't even know what that's saying. It ends with an M, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, is I don't boom know again? exactly. I, yeah, I, think, I think it is just the boom, yeah. yeah it's just boom again, yeah, because you, you sort of see an outline of it rather than the full letters, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's a really enjoyable issue that's enjoyable for the characters and their interactions and, and how they think, and it you know, ends with you know saying good morning Earth again, kind of like at the start of the first issue. Mm-hmm. Although the first issue was just good morning Metropolis. But... Uh, if I have you know any sort of critiques, is that it's so out there and this ridiculous like big ideas that it's playing with that I almost wish it had a bit more time to really because there's so much exposition explaining what the race is going to be and how she's going to destroy the the mm-hmm. Solaris that I'm like that's gonna be a, a bit more uh like digestible. I feel like I, I get bombarded that I didn't really take some of it in and I just I'm just kind of vaguely going ah she she turned it into another color it's fine that's it. No, but but I do like how they swapped roles, you know, whereas he's handling the mythological, right? She's handling the more science aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And they both play to their, you know, they're they're playing to the strengths by going against their norm, which I really like. That's that's I always like the, the Superman team up stories that allow yeah, so him to do that. Is that the first this t- feels like a very traditional, you know, almost like a Batman Superman story. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean this is called the planet's finest instead of the world's finest, which I think is a pretty good summation. That's a nice touch. Uh, is this the first time I've heard John uh, reference the fact that he's an atheist? Because he says he doesn't believe in gods at one point in this issue. And it stuck out to me because Superman typically, like, doesn't say that. <laughs> no, but, think- you know, with all of their stuff, it's kind of... I use it as, like, it's the Thor corollary, right? That in the MCU, you have to say, like, yeah, Thor is the god of thunder and Loki is the god of mischief. However, they're just, they're kind of like Superman in that, that they're almost above humans, but they're still, there's still a mortality to them. Yeah, because you've got to have a way that you can defeat Loki, right? Or keep Thor sidelined oh, yeah. somehow. I, I'm, not, I'm not really talking about that. I'm not talking about how, so, it, I'm not talking about how it fits with the DC character. I'm, I'm just talking about the idea that Superman isn't usually presented as an atheist, but here there's well, a line of dialogue where John kind of sounds like an atheist. Well, to me, it was kind of like, yeah, I kind of know what the difference is because they're usually just super beings. I, they're I, like a different plane of existence, not I necessarily gods. Read it differently. Um, I, I, I mean, more agnostically is, is how I would yeah. say I read it, in that he doesn't believe in gods, and and I think that is why I think Matt was kind of on the ball here with the the Thor yeah. comparison, 
kind of, he doesn't believe that they're actually gods. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in a god above right. all of that. But he doesn't believe these beings are right. gods. You know, in DC, they call it the one above all, right? Yeah. Kind of for, for, but no, I get what Pete's saying, though, because Clark, in and of himself, is still a farm boy from Kansas, right? Like, there's still something to it. It's like, yeah, I'm Kryptonian, but maybe there's something more. Whereas John's almost that, you know... It's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I mean, I, I could see Clark going to church every Sunday still. Yeah. John definitely does that. That's kind of what you I'm getting what I mean? at, is that it's different from yeah. Superman. That's, that's kind of my point, is that yeah. this is different, because I don't think Clark would typically say something like this, but John, I mean, I, I can see Connor's read on it and just being that he doesn't believe in multiple. Yeah. So you can have like how in uh, Avengers Captain America says... Yeah, there's uh, one God. Yeah. It doesn't look just like that. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I just I thought it was an interesting line. It stuck out to me, because it felt like something mm-hmm. that... I don't think that well, typically and, typically you'd write and, Superman and say something like that, but I think it's interesting that they're separating John and saying no, he would say this. He, uh, yeah, he's still Lois's son. Don't forget that, right? And, so, and that's kind of what I analytical. Do think these the this issue and you know the 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 first issue of this out of all the future state stuff has it has established John's character more than any others. I mean, you know, the John of the future uh, is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. In that, I get a read that no, he's. He's, you know, he is trying too hard. You know, you know, he is, you know, a bit of a, a workaholic. But he also backs everything up with evidence and likes, mm-hmm. you know, scientific answers to a lot of things. You know, he likes to be able to understand it, uh, which, you know, I didn't exactly get anything like that in Justice League, for example, which maybe isn't fair. But I got less. I, I didn't get that much either in the uh, the first issue of um, Superman and Metropolis. No, no, this this definitely feels like a John that I'm familiar with, but also like a step forward. It you feels know, like he an is, older this is how he, Yeah, he is different than his dad, you know, yeah. which is important because you, you look at, you know, Batman and, and all of his different, you know, kid figures and, you know, Dick's kind of the same that way where he took what Bruce had done and just did it differently. And that's how he stands out. It's, so, it's, it's an interesting topic to bring up because I, I don't like Superman and characters like that. Like, I it almost doesn't make any sense for them to believe in a god. But the weird thing is, is because you're in the DC universe, and we and we have things that are like monitors and perpetual, and we have these types of characters, which are mm-hmm. essentially gods, just in a different I, way. I mean, <laughs> I, said, I think I I disagree with that fundamental statement that it doesn't make any sense for them to believe in God. Well, but that's why it's belief, though, right? And now we're getting into philosophical stuff. Is like it's that's the right. That's I mean, what makes like it one of the faith. one of the the. One of the core arguments from uh, Christianity, at least, um, uh, uh, is you know the uncaused cause, and it's how it can fit with anything scientific, right? Is, is mm-hmm. you can still accept you know the Big Bang, and be right. deeply you know religious because it's fine. God caused the the, the Big Bang, and, you know the, anything that you can trace back to a mm-hmm. point where you can't go any further, and you just say right, and that was. God. I'm sorry I brought this up. I'm, I just, just, <laughs> yeah, but no, but I get what you're saying though, Pete, too, because it is like, and the fact that he's saying it to someone that's so entrenched in mythology, right? Like she talks with gods, you know, she, yeah. in her story, who knows if it happened before or after this, she went to the underworld and talked with Hades. So right. like for him to say that, it just, it shows the contrast between the two on that level, but also like he's known Wonder Woman his whole life, right? And knows what she runs with so for him to say that it's almost like kind of like a sly like you know it, it does in some ways feel like he's putting them down going you know, you know, it's 
it, it, it's almost a bit of a shitty attitude in that he is mm -hmm. putting them down going i don't believe that what you think is you know you know your right. whole life you know you know like i say you know he's known diana you know his, his whole life it's like all that right. stuff that you do that you fight it's not really god you just think it is you, you're wrong right and that's that's quite a shitty attitude in in some ways and mm -hmm. it's that's quite interesting well, but but by the end of the the issue he kind of learns about it you know because he is getting lapped like granted it's Solaris is there and whatnot, but this guy is a powerful figure on his own, you know, as mm -hmm. the son. I mean, how is he any different besides having a, a form of a physical son than John himself, who is powered by the sun? Right. You know, it's it's just all this minutia thing. But no, I, I do get where Pete's coming from, where you have Superman and this, you know, what he represents, and then John's kind of the next, you know, he almost is a split between Lois and and Clark there. So I just I like it. I like this issue a lot, more more so than the first one, uh, which was good. But I feel like this really, it really everything hit the way I think it was supposed to. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I, know, I just thought that was a kind of a not like a bombshell, but just there was just that that one line just stuck out to me so much in this this book because it was just so different to what I think they would write into Clark's mouth that. Uh, Regardless of how you want to like take it or how you want to like break it up, I think the fact that he said it at all is noteworthy. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing uh, ultimately because I don't want him to just sound like Clark. Oh right. no, not at all. No, um, yeah, uh, it makes sense. I, I, it's, it's almost because if you if you do t read it as a kind of a of a even even agnostic if not atheist kind of read, mm -hmm. it's kind of almost like Superman is an older character. He comes from this time where. The idea of the, the the Christian values is deeply embedded into Americana and all oh, that, right? And that's... even today, even though he doesn't talk about it as much, he still kind of comes from that era, so he still kind of associate a little bit with that. Whereas the idea yeah. of having his son be a little bit further advanced and a bit more kind of not like rebellious, I don't want to quite say that far, but just the idea that it's there is a sort of progression there with with the world in a in a way. It's, a, it's almost a generational thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when you start to get into it, I mean, what do you think the American way is kind of always representing all those years? And that's why it's been so, uh, that's what I'm looking for, like controversial, but not, that's the wrong word, today. I mean, remember there was that whole story that came out a couple of years ago about what, you know, the American way and people getting all upset about Superman. Um, but yeah, it's, I get where Pete's coming from. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, oh, that's just a solid, solid issue. Uh, Matt, what are you giving uh, Superman Wonder Woman? I'm going to say 8.5. Connor? Uh, 8.5. Ah, damn it. Uh, I'm going to a little lower. I'm going to say a straight 8. Like I say, the, the, some of the big ideas and the, the sun god and stuff is, is so just, like, I could have done with that being more digestible and just introduced in a basically i'm saying maybe a, a third issue to sort of maybe not just feel that like these are just taken as granted which is sometimes where i when i have a problem with like super like high concept mythological stuff is just thrown at me uh without the the, the, the nice sort of more natural lead-in kind of kind of what we're say, you're saying here is you feel like john and you need the sign you need the you need the explanation mm -hmm. kind of given to you in a in a reasonable way uh, yeah i can't some, just accept it i need some rules yeah I need some some rules here. Uh, I mean, this is why he doesn't like magic stuff. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, but 
But when I do like magic stuff, it's usually because the characters are so good and compelling that it overcomes whatever else is going on. And John, to an extent, but definitely Yara kind of embody that. And the relationship here is also super interesting. So uh, there's still a lot of good stuff going on here. There's, there's good art to behold. Um, but I, I guess what I'm just saying is that I'm just not quite as over the moon in love as perhaps you two are. Uh, but that is a Superman Wonder Woman. Future State Super, or sorry, Future State Carazorel Superwoman, uh, Margaret Bennett with Margaret Savage uh, on the art, um, and uh, for the second time this week, I looked at a couple of pages and said, "Nope, it's not happening." Uh, so, to be honest, I thought you decided that after the last issue. Yeah, me too. I intended on reading that. I really did, and I looked at the. It was just the, the two page layout where there was just tons of narration boxes in the second page. And I'm just like, you know what? I I, I saw it because I, I got it and I skimmed through it after. I basically was like, you know, I don't want to read this. And I skimmed through it just to see. And I saw the last page and I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm good. So <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you because I I came into the, the first issue and I wanted it to be more. And then <sighs> deciding what it, it became, it is kind of a nice story for Kara. Oh, Matt, 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 make warning. Mm. Yeah, no, no, it is a very nice story for Kara, and it's it's not her final story, despite what the ending is, but it's just, it's part of her legacy, essentially. I just, the route that they chose to go to make it like this weird fairy tale with, I just, it lost me again throughout. Like, I knew exactly what it was this time, but still, it was the whole shape changers and the bloodline and this, and like, adding this whole different, like, aspect to it. It was too much. Then, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't read this issue, but I, I think I felt this in the first issue, is that if you're going to just do a two-issue story, maybe don't introduce, like, a villain in mythology that takes so much time to it and exposition to explain all of it. Like, do something yeah. simpler. But have the same point that the story be there, but have yeah. the villains be a bit simpler so you don't have to waste so much I, time I in exposition. super into these other characters, though. Um... Like, you know, what just, these villains were. It got to a point, and the art's eh. great too, but just like... At the end, there's three of them, right? And then she she wraps them up and takes full power. And I just got lost in the art at points. Just because oh, there is... Cool. Yeah, there's so much going on, though. And like Pete said, like, you know, we joke, I hate to agree with Connor, but sometimes I hate to agree with Pete. That the, it is too much for two issues. Like, Matt just, if anything just hates was agreeing be four with issues. people in general. Well, <laughs> used to agree with people. <laughs> uh, but like, like this, this would have benefited maybe another issue or two, and you could have decompressed some of the mythology stuff because again, it it almost has a dreamlike thing to it at the same time. Yeah, it's very fairy tale. Yeah, so I'm just like, you know. Almost so like you know how Pan's Labyrinth plays out as its own fairy tale from Guillermo del Toro, but it you know is two and a half hours to do that. This definitely feels like him trying to do that in forty five minutes, and you just get Man, way I, too lost. I, so, I did not uh, feel lost at all reading this. Mm, this was very engrossing to me, mm -hmm. um, and I think it is a lot of that is is the art and the way that you know you you know you mentioned that. Uh, that double page spread at the mm -hmm. start with a lot of narration boxes. It is a lot of narration boxes, but it's also a lot of panels that it's split over. It's over like eight panels, uh, the way it's cut up. So it feels like there's a pace to it where I'm still, I'm reading the boxes, I'm seeing the art, 
and I'm moving on to the next thing. It's not over one. If if all those things were over one splash, that would be very different. Um, I would I would say you know it, it vastly outweighs what I'm looking at. Yeah, add because on I'm to, constantly going back to look at art. Add on to the fact that I also don't like this art, right? Add on that to all right. these boxes, and add on the the fairy tale like mythology. Right. All of that combined means that this issue is just so not for me that like, I, I took one look at that page and went, I am not reading this. I, I have no interest in reading yeah. anymore. Of this. It, it's really interesting. So what it comes down to is these these villains are uh, are characters uh, aren't I think it was yeah. Um, uh, Linara, is that their name? I'm, I'm kind of forgetting Linari. names. Linari. Okay, that was pretty close. Um, so it's it's their arm, um, and yeah, you know, it's like okay, there's this this family power struggle. You know, we we had last issue about there's this this gem that one person on the planet gets and like you know, makes them like extra powerful compared to everyone else, and it is still down to this you know this this big dynastic claim basically. It's these you know ruling families warring over the title essentially and it, it comes down to you know Lenari being like no we need to learn to do without that and move on as a society and kind of takes all their powers and burns through them with the gem and and you know and, and destroys the gem in the process mm -hmm. and cleanses them all of their powers um because she borrows uh you know superwoman's powers uh, as they do this uh, you know, as as to you know, charge himself up as well, and you know, and this idea then, okay, you know, forcing them to be better by you know sending them backwards a little bit, not like you know, not like technologically, but more just societally, kind of knocking them down a couple of pegs, so they have to you know understand what it's like to be the common people, um, and learn from Kara, you know, how to be better uh, from from this here, and that's kind of you know that, that's where it goes here. It's you know them living in this community on the moon. Yeah, well, and I, I like how the thought that it ends up with where, you know, Kara went to the moon to start fresh. And she has this, you know, colony there. And now with the help from, uh, what's her name? The uh, the girl that came to see him that they're they're going after. Shit, I can't remember her name. That's oh, it is Lainari. Yeah. That, that's, that's her. So um, just, I like all that and what they do for her memory. You know that that she is. This is her. You know what defines her is what she does here, which is is just nice and how she's different than Superman and stuff. I just like the whole thing of why they're trying to get the gem, and that the the villains hold her responsible for the brother's murder, even though they were trying to murder the brother to yeah. get the well it, uh, again that I. You're weaving too many nets here. Well, this is where, know? like, if you look at it through the lens of dynastic power struggles, all within kind of one big extended family, really. Um, you know, this this comes back to you know, right, a, lot like, of, a lot of Euro history, for example, where it's all this just like really messy stuff and blaming each other for stuff, but it's like right, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stretching of the truth here. So, could you do that in two issues of a comic book? I think they did do it in two issues of a comic book. I'd say I I didn't get that. I got so tripped up. And all that i'm like this way this is their thing is like they were gonna kill that dude anyway so the dude killed himself to pass on the gem so they couldn't have it and now you're calling her a murderer you know she had nothing but, to do with it and, and I, I think the reality is they don't believe she's a murderer uh, no but they're like, trying to tell kara that yet kara right, knows no, ex exactly it's it's you know? them 
pushing an agenda. It, it's it's propaganda yeah. essentially by going, oh look, you know they're a murderer. You don't want to be defending them. When right, they know but that well could have been introduced the in the last issue, where they go, you're you you know turn her over, she's a murderer, right? Here if they throw it, they throw it in. It's relatively early in the issue though, you know? so it doesn't feel like it's yeah. out of nowhere for me. Still, it feels yeah. like it, it, you know this is just what it came down to for me. Much. I remember reading this one and I'm like, oh yeah, I wasn't that big on the first issue. What did I think was going to happen in this one? I thought it's pretty though. You know, I, I thought like, you liked the first issue more than this, to be honest, uh, than what you're saying. No, um, it, maybe was, I'm... it was... I'm looking at it through the shades of reading this one now and seeing where it goes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was fine. I definitely like the first issue more than I like this one. I, I, again, I do like where it ends. A lot of the stuff in this one issue, it's a lot. And, you know... I just it's cool that they try to do a fairy tale story with Superwoman that kind of defines her. But I just it kind of misses just a little bit, you know, and it, it's I guess it's it is space fantasy, right? Because you are dealing with fantasy tropes through Absolutely. alien species and, and whatnot. So, yeah, um, but and the art with the with the pastels like you get towards the end of the book where the colors start popping because you start going into the future and how they rebuild the moon colony and just there's all these flowers and all the colors start to pop and you know you see lenari as she starts to grow older and you know she's that bluish silver and she contrasts with kara right yeah more and, and obviously colored. this is going through the the, the remainder of kara's mm -hmm. life and yeah it what's what's obviously uh you know really nice here is i think this works if you want this to be kara's future definitive future mm -hmm. you can because none of this stops her having other stories this is just this is kara's home basically is the mm -hmm. moon base and this society this you know what was a fortress of solitude isn't mm -hmm. that anymore it's this this thriving society this has mm -hmm. become kara's metropolis in a lot of ways yeah. but none of that stops her going off and having adventures on earth or elsewhere in space that in between this is just you know this is like having Clark at the Daily Planet, right? You know, it changes nothing. It, it's fine. You know, you, we can still have right. this be the rest of her life. She could die here and be buried here, you know, and still have a, a, as many Kara books as you want in the future that, mm -hmm. that go wherever you want. But yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm going to rate, I'm just going to give this a 6.5, most, mostly on the strength of the art there, because mm -hmm. it does pick up towards the end. Like, all those colors pop. Like, Savage is real, real, like... I don't know how they got the colors to look so watercolory digitally, but they did a good job. Yeah. Um, I, I love those. The moment where Kara kind of, uh, you know, gives into rage mm -hmm. and comes, like, floating up, you know, the, the cape flowing, you know, the skirt. And it's it's mm -hmm. gorgeous. Um, and, and kind of having to be talked down out of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm giving an 8.5. Uh, I thought yeah. this was... No accounting for taste. I'll let the audience be the judge of that one. Feel confident. <laughs> if they agree with you, it's just another case of uh, CR21 getting out of hand and spreading amongst the people. Future State Teen Titans issue 2, Tim Sheridan writing with Rafa Sandoval on the art. Uh, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and... Uh, Teen Titans, uh, just you know, obviously <laughs> famine is Wally West because that was established in the Future State flashback. Oh, yeah, and, and you had to read that. I did have to read that, mm -hmm. yes. Do, do you know, I, uh, confession, I didn't read this one. Um, I, you know, after I, 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 I thought the first one was all right, I was probably going to check this out. 
And then I saw the news from the solicits that oh, I'm not going to be re- you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be reading Teen Titans Academy anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I saw you know I looked at the first couple of pages of this and I was just like, no, I uh, want to. It wasn't that good. No, I am more hopeful. I think than either two of you, right? I'm not happy that it's crossing over Suicide Squad, but that's as long as it's not more of this Four Horsemen stuff. Mm. I I think I'll be okay there a little bit because as it started, it was fine. Like a lot of the hinting of what was mm. going on and why Dick's uh, wearing that for, costume. For the, for the record, but I'm still going to try issue one. Like I'm not not yeah, trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. I I understand the impulse of being like I don't want to touch it at all. But at the same time, I do like that this is a different take on the Titans. And we did try the Robin Titans book for, what, two issues? So I got to at least give it that. However, I never want to hear the Four Horsemen stuff again. And, like, I think I was more positive on the Shazam issue than you guys were, just by a little bit. Uh, a little bit, this, maybe, yeah. This wiped that all out, and I don't even want to touch issue two. <laughs> just because of what how this one ends, I'm just like, I'm... This feels like, you know how we talk about the Gotham stuff kind of feels contained, mm-hmm. but we like that. This feels like they've done Flash and Teen Titans and now all of that, and they're contained in the thing, but I don't like that. You know, like I want to... Yeah. I was giggling, send... I was yeah, giggling like a madman there because I was just... I was Because I was about to bring up my first point I wanted to mention it was on the first page, and it was to do with Dickstroke. And then as soon yeah. as I thought that, you immediately says, I get the impulse not to want to touch it at all. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> I'm really glad you told us what you love it, because I was like, what, what did Matt read that I didn't... Yeah. No, Matt, yeah, what did no. Matt say that I didn't pick up on? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it was nothing, it was just because of you. Well, yeah. and, that's, and that's, you know, in the spirit of that character, that Cybe saying that, right? So Beast Well, I felt attacked. I felt attacked, yes. because the writer went out of their way here, Tempest Shared went out of their way to have, you know, because... Uh, Starfire calls him Deathwing, and I thought yeah. to myself, "Oh, that's the safe, you know, combination of names." And then Beast Boy says, "Ha! I would have gone with Dick." And then Cyborg jumps in before he can finish. Says, "Grow up, man!" I'm like, "How dare you? I feel attacked." <laughs> He's still, I'm still calling him Dickstroke. How- so I, I think the reality is everyone's gonna still call him Dickstroke, and they know it. Yes, the the, he, the writers try to cock blockers right now, and I'm not having it. It's Dickstroke. Okay. Is that um, the best part of this issue, then? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, so Red X, right? It's meant to be Miguel, right? That's what I was getting from this. Oh, I don't know. I, from, from Dial H? From Dial yeah, H. Because when Miguel comes up... Well, one of, the, one of the problems I have with this issue, before we even get to the specifics, yeah. is that it, it jumps around the timeline far too goddamn so much. much. There's, there's yeah. present day, before, and then now, and then then, and then, and, and like, it, it wasn't always this like, clear, kind of like the order of events, I thought. Uh, it was just bouncing around too much. Basically, at some point in the past, the Teen Titans, the newer members, tried to use the Dial H to mm-hmm. contact the dead members of the Teen Titans against Miguel's wishes, and then that seemed to maybe kill Miguel? Is that what happened to you, Matt? Is that what you got from this? That sounds I, I took it as that it, it did something to him mm-hmm. that he was no longer Miguel as we know him, as that ha- happy-go-lucky kid you guys read in Dial H, right? Mm-hmm. And so whatever happened, it also had to deal with unleashing the four horsemen and so that's why you know and red x had something to do with that and then so by the end they find out that they have to 
to use the H dial to summon the, the heroes, and you get Red X without his mask, and it's feeling like it's Miguel. You know? Maybe right. It felt like it should have made that clear, I think, but they sh a lot of them... I don't know if, if that's because the whole Red X thing, right, has to do with, with I, I don't, what's yeah, going to happen why in you're, Academy. I get why you're saying that, but nothing in this issue when they're teasing who Red X is, right. based on the conversations with Dick about the past, about right. how he had to go hunt down Red X and bring him in, and now right. he's letting Red X out because he can finally help right. with this. None of that, to me, even hint was hinting at Miguel. It felt like it was maybe more likely to be... I, I don't think it was actually Jason, but it felt like someone more, more, more like Jason or something yeah. like that. Well, and that's, and that's why I, I feel like... Or hell, even like Raptor would feels like it may right. fit the bill. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a mess. And then they, you know... So they, they get all the dead titans, which there's a lot. <laughs> like, yes. that you know, show up. You're not making me regret, regret skipping no. this. No, and so they end up the 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 horsemen. One of them can you know basically jump or get a hold of the different titans. So it's jumping from them, and they're they're fighting their teammates until you know Raven can do her her magic, and you know she says her words, um, and she ends up tethering them to Shazam, and then so now Shazam is gonna go and have to stand guard. And says for more of that, see Shazam. <laughs> it's like, no man this is a mess so yeah i i really I, I really hope this is hindered by having to tie into two other books in future state and it's only got two issues to do all this complex yeah. stuff uh but so i'll I'll try issue one of teen Titans academy but if i don't feel a significant improvement then i am i am jettisoning so, out of there to borrow a phrase from one of the other shows uh podcasts hey, let's do it, it, it it's not good guys you know it's, that doesn't feel like a phrase that you have to borrow. That, that feels like a normal phrase. No, but <laughs> yeah, certain certain listeners will pick up on it. What, what is that from? That that uses uh, it. That is iconic. It's from a political. It. It's from Pod Save America. Oh, okay. Anytime they talk about something that is clearly not good, one of the hosts will go, "Yeah, yeah, not good, John." Uh, so I guess it's like a no-brainer thing. And like this is, it's not good, and it sucks because I wanted to like this. I like the concept of the Titans running a academy for young heroes but it's, if it's going to be more of this tone i don't want that yeah it's it's overstuffed i i don't think they have revealed to red x as i think red x the reveal of that is going to be in academy uh because part of me thought they were going to reveal it at the end of the issue because they were teasing it so heavily but I, I really don't think they did uh but i mean yeah who knows i never even occurred to me it was miguel so when matt said they're saying it's Miguel, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> I, that's how I took it, because you look at some of the art with his face kind of showing, but not in... There's a lot of talk of the, the Dial H dial. And mm. so I'm wondering if Red X is one of his forms, you know? Like, because isn't there an opposite dial, too? Uh, there is. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe it's one of his forms. Uh, that would make some sense, because the reason why I was going to argue against it is that uh, he's still a kid, even though it's still like you know, uh, uh, brat girl and stuff like that. It's still the newer members. Why is he still a kid if he's Red X? He seems to have been an adult for a long time, unless he's just permanently transitioned into a well, Dial H character. Right, right. Which that, I, I, that would really undermine a lot of that book. It would, but I mean, uh, undermining doesn't seem to be a problem right now. Because that was like the whole big point of the ending of that book, which. 
fantastic book for anyone who didn't read it, was that you know he got caught up in the idea of being a hero full time and you know and had to learn to be himself. Uh, and, and that was a big part of the, the message of that. Yeah, again, I don't think it is him, though. <laughs> so, I don't think it is No, no, that's, really that's that. fair. I'm just saying, if it is, you know, uh, if, if Matt is somehow correct, mm-hmm. although, you know, Matt has been very wrong before, let's be honest. Oh, I mean, I'm always wrong. Uh, don't get me wrong. This, this is not... This is this is an evil Superman, but it's just, it's actually just a parasite. This is not that debate. Or, or, or the one no. where he thought Connor Kemp was dead. Oh, oh, that one, yeah. That was that was just that was just a straight up factually wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, no... <laughs> I, excuse me for you know looking at what Bendis was doing at the time. You know? <laughs> so was I, which is why I knew it was wrong. <laughs> right. so. Anyway. Oh dear. After nothing else, it was an entertaining conversation about. I mean, I know you, you, you were not entertained, but I was very entertained by that conversation. No, that, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, that's the most I, I ever enjoyed the Bendis from. Um, <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah, that, that's, that's, this is just kind of a mess. I mean, the first one was a little messy, even though there's things I liked about it. This one was just a mess. Uh, and I had nothing really to get from it or enjoy from it. So, uh, what are you giving it, Matt? Uh, this, this, this is a, a 5.5. Yeah, I was leaning to like a four, so four out of ten for me. That, that is a four on the Matt scale, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just just true. Uh, so there you go. That's future state to tens. So Rorschach issue five. Tom King writing Jorge Fornes on the art. Um, isn't it nice to talk about a good book? I feel like I've just talked about some books I didn't like, so I'm happy yeah. to talk about Rorschach. Uh, quite a bit, in fact. So. This is kind of a, a, a check-in issue because this is this is uh, the the investigator going back to uh, the governor who's running for president, uh, Turley, uh, and also Turley's like right-hand man who's the one who hired him in the first place, mm-hmm. who kind of bookends the issue because he's in the bar with him saying, "Hey, you're going to go meet him, t- you know, tell him this, tell him that, but don't don't mention this." And we find out that Turley's convinced that Redford is behind this assassination attempt, oh, and he's yeah. he's not hearing anything else to the contrary. Even though the investigators like, I've not found anything that even suggests that. I mean, it's not impossible, but everything suggesting it's just the, the, these wild it's cards. It's these two. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this this girl that you know acted alone and has tricked other guys into going along with their schemes in the past. And you know, I, there was some wonderful thematic stuff in this issue. I mean, because I think inherently this one might not be as exciting as the last couple, because the last no. couple were so focused in like these chapters yeah. of this girl's life. Well, and so, so this one is a a breather issue almost, where we get character time with our investigator, because mm-hmm. I feel like I know him even better now. And and Turley, I, 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 yeah, I was gonna say both him and Turley equally. Uh-huh. I think Turley more than ever, feels like a complete sh- shitbag. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yep. There's a panel in this where he refers to Nixon as a good guy, and which is probably tells you all you need to know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. his entire attitude and the way he talks about things and the way he talks about people and talks about the comedian, with the, the fact that he's got a giant like comedian button and a painting so, like, at, a, at, a, at a frame above his desk. He's definitely, definitely a familiar figure, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you look. Um, but it also, to me, it, it goes into... Kind of like, right, he's talking about how Redford has destroyed the country by adding Vietnam as, as a state, and that's kind of what's kept uh, Redford in the presidency. Although, is it really? Um, because all we've all we've seen now is that, you know, in, in that city where the investigator, which I forget his name, I should know the main character's name, but 
feel like it doesn't get said. And, yeah, it never gets brought up because I, I don't know either. I think it's just because it never yeah. gets brought up. I mean, maybe it got brought and up in the so first issue, but I, I don't think when, I've heard it since. Yeah, so when, when he goes to that diner, right, and, and two issues ago, and they talk about, you know, are you one of the good ones or whatever? Are you good in American? And, and what that means. And you can see, like, there's that sentiment through the country, but it's really coming from Turley. Like, this is what he's kind of weaponizing. I think, yeah, I think one of the things we have to keep in mind with all this is that the only perspective we're getting for Redford and Redford's presidency mm-hmm. and what, what the country is like under Redford is only coming from this extreme white right-wing point right. of view. We never That's... hear it from anyone else. I mean, our right. main character, Investigator, feels quite neutral, and he almost feels like he's silently judging when he hears certain things or he's yeah. not as quick to jump to certain things. But, you know, he, Turley, his right-hand he's... man, even the, the waitress in the diner from a couple issues mm-hmm. ago, we keep hearing these very extreme views talking about Redford and what he's done to the country. We've never actually seen anyone else on Redford's side trying to justify no. or explain no. their point of view. No, it's very much one-pointed. But through that and through him being neutral, you're getting revealed of kind of the temperature of things. Mm. And even just like Turley kind of represents this almost like descendant of the comedian, right? Where the comedian kind of represents this toxic like view of almost like, I don't want to say imperialism or colonialism, but like he represents the United States in Vietnam, right? And he's just killing fools. The way that Turley talks about his one time he met him, you know, he took out an entire beach of people and, you know, Turley got him out of there and he's just so revered. And you see the investigator just kind of listening, being like, is this the same comedian that we're familiar with? You know, so like the public or or even the investigator has a different view of the comedian than what Turley does. And it's almost how like the right wing kind of looks at strongman figures and yeah. they're the only ones that are right. And just and, on that point, like this flashback where we see Turley as a young, younger guy in Vietnam, because mm-hmm. you know, because they mentioned earlier on that he's a vet, and this is where he's a vet right. from. Um, and he, you know, we see this scene of him like just mowing down people on a beach, trying to like cover fire for the comedian as he's trying to save this uh this POW or whatever she is. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a scene earlier on the issue when when the investigator comes to see Turley. There's a guard outside who insists on patting him down, and he's like really stern. He's like, "I'm going to pat you right. down," blah blah blah. And the investigator's like, hey, I've been trying to contact you because you were there, you were, you were part of the Secret Service that took down yeah. the two culprits on the night. And we get like a sort of flashback to the moment. And we've seen this this moment before, just mm-hmm. from a different perspective. But we get just the, 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 the panels focusing on this investigator where he very coldly just ejects his magazine and reloads his gun and then like empties and his, fires his clip. away. Yeah. Like he's already shot at least one of them and he empties his clip mm-hmm. and very calmly. And it, I thought there was a parallel between this and the way he's just making sure he mows down whatever he can. There's no mm-hmm. there's no thought process, there's no, no. Y- you know, yelling to stop. It's, it's pointed. Just, yeah. It's just yeah. Point and shoot as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and, and there's intent there, right? It's not it's not to stop the people that shot at Turley. It's to absolutely murder that person. Yeah. Right? Just like with Turley, it wasn't the point of of saving the comedian, right? We know the comedian can handle himself, but it was the fact that he was almost killing people just to do it, you know? And and that's the type of person, of course, that would look up to the comedian. 
Yeah, because that's the same person the, that's going to rise up against Redford. The comedian you know? even says, uh, you know, I know how many you killed, not enough. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they right. laugh it off. They, they both think that's really mm -hmm. funny. It's, uh, you right. know, they're, they're peas in a pod. Right. Uh, and it's, again, it's this toxic machismo that that pervades the, the right wing, you know? Uh, Tarly's Tar literally having a shit when uh, the investigator mm -hmm. comes in. When he shows I up and he's just telling him to, like, deal with it, and, like, there's this, like, bravado there. You're like, dude, you're just gross. What are you doing? You know? Like, but, and just also that he says that he went through six, he went through six uh, metal detectors, and they still intent on, on checking him. So, like, just how paranoid is, is this always how paranoid Turley is? Or is and they pat, you know they pat him down when he leaves as well because he might have taken something right yeah you know and so it's just it shows just how deep that they'll like this one guy wants to believe like oh yeah Redford's having me killed because they even ask the investigator as he leaves did, did he bring him up you know and no matter what that's going to be the line going forward yeah it's, it's the it's that the... Redford tried to have him killed and there's zero evidence for that yeah. The the aide uh, who sees him in the bar sees him in the bar again at the end of the issue, and that's when he asks, like, you know, did he bring up Redford? And of course he did. But uh, the investigator lies and says no. Uh, right. Just to go back to the flashback, like another thing is like when a comedian saying, "Hey, like, do you want to know exactly how many you killed?" Right. He's like, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "You sure you want to know? You want to know like how many bodies are in?" We, we we get really dark panels of like children like dragging in the dead mm -hmm. bodies of all these people that were killed uh, right. by Turley. He's like, "Hell yeah, what I know." I certainly, I certainly, right. I well, it's almost like, well, who's worse, right? We know the comedian this weighs on his shoulders, right? Because of, of what we've read in Watchmen and, and other things. Um, but he had to learn to accept that. And uh, with with this guy, he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't carry that burden. So it's almost like the generation that gave birth to him, they're even worse now. Yeah, no, I know, mean, we, we, when we go to him, like after the comedian says not enough, uh, we, we cut right. to him sitting in his fancy chair and his expensive suit just laughing his ass mm -hmm. off. Yeah. Uh, he comes across as truly disgusting, honestly, yeah. in this yeah, issue. Yeah. Again, without, without going into strict details, it, uh, it reminded me of a certain politician, you know? Like, just his whole vibe of it. Although this guy is actually a vet and actually did things, and, you know, unlike other ones. But, you know, there, there's a certain type of politician that wants to weaponize like might is right, even though they have little to no backing of it themselves. You know, they don't know what it's actually like. Whereas Turley, I feel, does know, and that almost makes him worse. Because he knows what that weight is of of war, and he doesn't seem to care. You know? Because yeah. uh, I, I have the feeling, too, that you get to the end, they talk about, like, man and Superman. And it was Manhattan and Comedian. Like, before he left, he saw them, you know on the streets of Vietnam and, and whatnot. But the way that he talks about it, it almost is like he's more glorifying the comedian as the Superman, almost as if he's... Because he even, even more... jokes. He even jokes and says, right. you know, don't ask which one's which. Uh... Right. That because he is like the personification of war, right? Versus Manhattan, I, I like think... the personification of... I think part of uh, it, and in, in, in the same yeah. way that uh, like the Watchmen TV show took the idea mm -hmm. that people inspired by Rorschach's journal Rorschach, were, the, right. were this extreme extremist group who were mm -hmm. essentially terrorists, uh, the idea that same here with comedian is that 
when you have characters who have a bit more nuance and you have these people with mm-hmm. more nuance, when they sort of symbolize themselves in a certain way, kind of like what you were saying later that earlier on is that the, the, the next generation who's inspired by them almost just takes the caricature of it and doesn't read into mm-hmm. the, the nuance of it and just takes the the cold, hard side of it and it almost becomes like almost just even purer to, to what the, the, mm-hmm. the core thing was, which in this case is, you know, Comedian was a bastard, but he right. had some awareness that he was a bastard mm-hmm. uh, to a certain point. He knew, right. He knew what the price of that was, right? Because when we see his final moments, he's all alone, right? And he's past his prime and and whatnot. He knew what that sowed. But it's, but it's almost like this new generation's like, yeah, but that won't be me. And, you know, there's like this, there's a different edge to it, you know? And that's when he's sitting there, that's the last thing he sees is the man and the Superman. And then he comes back and that dude goes from a vet and whatever his thing is, or he ends up becoming a governor, Right. And it's just like, that's kind of dangerous. Someone with that mentality giving lovers of power. And so you look at the investigator where now when he leaves the final pages, he's almost walking in step with the memory of, uh, what's her name? I forget what, what they call oh, the kid. I, but before we get there, we have to, there's, a, there's oh. a speech we have to talk about before, because that last page okay. is important, but it's important because yeah. of the setup. Because uh, okay. notably, it's funny, so he's still talking to, to Tarly. And Turley's talking, uh, talking about, uh, you know, people who put on masks. And yeah. he, he, he talks about how the two people who tried to kill him, no one was going to see them do it. They were up in the rafters, but they still put on the mask. So the masks weren't about hiding their identity. It was about doing it wearing the mask. It was about being those personas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that she maybe convinced the old guy that he was Rorschach. He was, you know, Rorschach's spirit was in right. him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because uh, we've seen her do that to someone else before. And that's the Just, assumption, yeah. at least for now. Um, and it's you know it talks about you know thinking that, and as he's saying this, we see them sort of standing out in the rain, which is relevant for the mm-hmm. final page because that's where we ultimately see them at the end. Right. Not not again, not they're not really there. It's more of a, no. a metaphorical thing. Uh, but he talks about the investigator and how you know he has this look on his face. Now you don't have a mask on you. But the the way you kind of, you know, the way you said you didn't see any evidence for Redford's involvement and you're looking mm-hmm. into it, it sort of says that you have this kind of desire to find the truth. That's, it kind of reminds them of people who put on masks, this idea of, right. like, no matter what, getting to the bottom of it. Well, and that he's that some people don't need masks, and he's looking at the investigator and saying, you're one of right. these people who don't need masks. And... Right. Um, I mean, just to read some of this dialogue here at the bottom of this page, because, again, it kind of focuses on, on the kids, right? The girl. And it says, um, you'll find the truth. I've got confidence you that I do. Uh, I think you have great potential. I'm good at seeing potential. I can look at a man and see what a lot of people don't. A lot of people see the same thing. But what I see in you, no one sees No one sees it but me. Um, and I think the idea that he, he thinks he's comparing him to the comedian in this moment, that he's sort of recognizing mm-hmm. that special thing in him that he saw in the comedian back in Vietnam and I think the ending, uh, you know, so he leaves, he meets the, the Alan the aide, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, one of the other things as well, before he goes, is that he starts smoking, and he mentions, he says to the investigator, don't say this to anyone, because if anyone knows, I'll have to answer questions about this bad habit, but you have to hide some things when you're trying to, like, show yourself as a better version of yourself. When you're, trying to, be the, when right. you're trying to be the best version of yourself, you have to hide some things about you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it got me thinking about the main character. It got me thinking about the investigator. Um, and there's a moment where the, the you know the guy pats him down again on the way out, and he's like, "Hey, you've got an attitude. You're hiding it quite well. You're good at keeping calm, mm-hmm. but I can kind of tell that you've got an attitude, and an attitude's not a good thing to have." And he's like, "Do you want to hit me?" And the investigator turns around and says, "No, but if you want me to hit you, I'll see what I can do." And yeah. I think it's kind of seeding this idea that this investigator, and I don't know if it's going to go full out and say that he becomes a new Rorschach by the end, but... but that, he has more in common with the idea of Rorschach from here, right? Of, of the kid who is kind of weaponizing that whole squid thing and preying on susceptible people, right? Um, whereas there's the... This guy sees things in shades of grey. It's not that black and white again. Which has been a theme in so far every issue. Oh, and who 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 thinks what? I'm confused. That you... So 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 the investigator, right? Yes. He has more in common with with Rorschach than he does, and the kid, right? And her whole thing, right? Where she's she's weaponized the idea that the squids are taking over, right, from her dad. The investigator has co- and so, stuff in common with her. Right. Is that there's more in common there because. There's shades of gray. She understood those shades of gray, but she's weaponized them, right? Okay. And that's where he is. It's not just the straight black and white that Rorschach normally does, because that's where Walter Ko- Kovacs was in his life. We've we've been over this in the other issues. Yeah. Right? I'm, not so sure, I'm, not, I'm not so sure I get that point, but just the final page here is when mm-hmm. he leaves the bar, and the the Allens leaves first, and or. Uh, there's a great sort of thing, there's an impal grid here, where mm-hmm. the shot glass on the investigator's side is still sitting there. Um, and the guy's trying to say, hey, you, you've got access to all the funds to hunt down whoever's behind this, like he's determined to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, so did he bring up Redford? It's when he asks about Redford that he finally picks right. up the glass and says no. Uh, he takes a drink. And the last page of the book is he walks out in the street and it's pouring a rain. Just like earlier on, we, we saw a couple of panels mm-hmm. of the kid in this, you know, this new old man, Rorschach. They were standing in the rain. And he walks out in the street and it's pouring a rain just like that. And as he walks down the street, uh, you know, Rorschach and the kid are walking b- behind them, just sort of side by side, almost laughing uh, as he walks down the street. And the idea that he, they're kind of walking with them. And I don't know if this is necessarily suggesting that he's starting to kind of see why they did what they did mm-hmm. and he's starting to sort of see the evil that this man is and that something needs to be done about it and mm-hmm. he's, he's starting to understand and that's why they're effectively if you take this as their spirits internally yeah. laughing at him that he's finally starting to catch on to kind of like the, the, that's like almost if you if you believe metaphorically that Rorschach's spirit did pass on to right. someone else that in some way, and it's not that literally his spirit is passed on to no. into the investigator, but it's more that the idea of that this man is a problem and needs to be taken care of has almost started to see its way into him because he's now he's like right. he's, he's 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 met the man, he's heard how he talks, what his views are on things, and the this visual at the end of the the spirits, if you will, again mm-hmm. of the kid and Rorschach laughing as as he's clearly. He's learning who who he's working for, and I don't think he's. Right. I think he's getting to the point where he's really starting to not feel comfortable about who he's working for, um, and that's where I go well, back it's... to the Turley comparing them to people with masks. I think mm-hmm. Turley's recognizing him and looking at him and saying, 
oh, this this guy, you know, he could be like a new he's comedian. He's gonna be a problem, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I don't think it's, it could be a problem. I don't, in the moment, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying he could be the new comedian. He's saying he, he's recognizing in him what he thinks he saw in the comedian a long time ago, but. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, he's becoming more like the the opposite. He's becoming kind of more on the Rorschach side, where he's right. recognizing in you that you're the problem, Turley, and right. that ultimately he's going to be the mask that leads to his downfall, whether or not he ever actually literally puts on a mask or not. Right. Well, and then so also while while working this out, it also goes in what we were talking about of that generation beginning a different generation, right? Whereas hmm. now through this investigation, it's almost like. Whether he wants to or not, the investigator's kind of becoming a Rorschach-like character, right? Like, like you just said. But it also fits in with that whole, you know, where you talk about the nuance and whatnot. Mm. You know, it, it plays it with that, but on this side, you know, of, of it. And that's why at the end, they're kind of walking. He's kind of walking in step because he understands what they were, you know, not maybe not the full story, but he understands their side. And I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to say he's outright becoming a Rorschach per se. I, I want to walk that back no. a little bit because I do think he's he's not as, uh, but just the idea that he's starting to maybe believe in what they were doing and or at least why they were doing it and you know what the problem with Turley is that needs to be mm-hmm. dealt with. And that's to say that he's going to try and assassinate him. Maybe maybe that's where the right. book's going to go eventually. He'll eventually be convinced mm-hmm. enough to to do that, but. Uh, oh. Certainly, I, I think the idea of the seed of doubt and the seed of that there's something wrong with Turley. Uh, is is kind of what's really planted here uh, for him. Yeah, definitely. And, and, it, and, and, you know, it was kind of there in the first issue. You know, when he was given the job, he did kind of feel like, you know, he wasn't a devout believer and supporter of Turley. He was just taking a job. Yeah. This was just... But he believed, yeah. again, and this also goes down to the truth, right? Yeah. And that he believes in the truth. And the truth is black or white, but when you're sifting through it, you do have to go through the gray. And again, that's why I think Rorschach's such a great character for that, because that's who he was is it's that polar opposite it's good or evil right but life doesn't fault. always work out that way right to a fault yeah. and him as his job as an investigator he has to figure that out of you know that there's there's more complexity going on here it's like again i'm still getting caught up on the kid character and the whole squid thing like does she actually still believe that is she just using that to what's her vibe you know what i mean you know, like, how did she talk to this old man yeah, I, I, into going just as Rorschach, you know? So... And I, it, you could also just read the ending of he's been pulled between the two viewpoints now mm-hmm. to the point where it's not so much that he's becoming more on their side, it's more that mm-hmm. he's seen enough from Turley now to not right. really... It's just not black and white anymore. So if, if, you, if, right. if, if, you, if you take the idea that... I mean, whatever side's which color, but uh, mm-hmm. Turley's the white side, and then the idea of the villains trying to assassinate with the black side... Mm-hmm. now he's in this middle place where he's actually not sure which one is the the, the right well, side to be on like it's not right. that obvious anymore well there's, there's that saying that there's three sides to every story your side their side and the truth right because you, you paint through your bias and whatnot so who knows i just it's king doing like this like you said this issue is not as exciting and it's more of a character piece on turley and even the investigator as we start to Kill that, but it's still so layered with different things. Uh, I mean, I'm just again, just another thought in this ending. Could could, mm-hmm. could it be that he's more like the Night Owl of this, and the idea yeah, that because because Night Owl always kind of worked with Rorschach, right? That was kind of a thing. In right, the, in they're the partners. 
Uh, and I do wonder if this idea that he's more the like Night L was the, mm-hmm. the more sensible <laughs> one, the more balanced yeah, one. Well, and again, he's just taking this job and he's supposed to be impartial. Now, as an yeah. investigator, you're not supposed to go in with a bias. You're supposed to go in hypothetically of this is what the evidence is and this is what we have to build around. And he tries to give that to Turley and be like, look, all the evidence just says these are just two lone wolves that don't like you. Has nothing to do with Redford. But Turley can't accept that because in his own mind, no, Redford's trying to take me out because I'm too dangerous. You know? And so, so yeah, maybe you're you're onto something because he kind of does remind me of Night Owl in that way of he is like, love him or hate him, Rorschach has charisma, right? There's something that draws people to him as a character. That's why he's kind of a standout in Watchmen as a series and what they did with him on the TV show. And you kind of sometimes forget Night Owl even was there. But he's almost the main character of that book, if I remember right. You know, like you follow him and Laurie throughout as they're... And isn't he the one that pieces everything together? It's kind of an even split, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah well, Laurie is it's equal to Rorschach, which I've is equal it. to... Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, now that you've mentioned that, I can see the Night Owl comparison a lot better. Like, yeah. he is kind of in, he's kind of stuck in between. So, but yeah, it, it's good. Fornes is art too. Like, for a lot of this, like, oh, yeah. The, the action is there, but in a subtle way. Like, you never actually see, like, you see comedian running, but you don't see anybody actually gunned down. You see the aftermath. And that's a little bit even more haunting. You know, those pages definitely stuck with me. And then just Turley sitting there and looking menacing. Like, it's... Yeah, the, the, the it, giant button in the frame. The mm-hmm. I mean, even the fact that, that what, what kind of, like, makes them leave, and there's a question that he mentioned Redford, the idea of trying to turn it into this political two-sided thing. Right. It, you know, he just lies and leaves, and he's walking in the rain. And it, it, like, the idea that this world has been caught up, he's, you know, he's just trying to solve, solve a, a, you know, an attempted murder... And it's becoming this political fight between two sides that mm-hmm. he has no interest in necessarily. Or if he does, he's keeping it very close to the chest as to... But, I mean, certainly his reaction to the waitress a couple of issues ago and then kind of his, like, you know, reactions in this episode. Mm-hmm. His, his uh, stoic and then even the implication of the attitude that the guard says about him does kind of imply that he, at least in some level, disagrees with, uh, mm-hmm. with Turley's views. Um, right. And we are so disgusted by in this issue that it makes sense that he, in some level, is too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want, I want this is a sort of moment at the end of this issue. I wonder, like you know, after a few more issues, or even after the whole thing, like coming back and reading that again and reading this issue, mm-hmm. I wonder if this ending takes on a new meaning or it becomes clearer based on where it goes uh, right. throughout. But uh, certainly a lot of juicy stuff to think about uh, on its own right right now. So. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I like, I put out like five different ideas in the space of like a minute there as I was talking about that last page. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it is uh, one of those books <laughs> that I, I was trying to piece together, and there's just so much at play here. Like it is very like it, it's no wonder that King was a CIA agent and was able to mm-hmm. juggle so many threads, right? Because you see but, all the stuff here. And, I think notably, it doesn't feel it, it does feel like there's a, a plan behind it all. It does feel like the like, King you know, what he's yeah. doing. Uh, even right. though there's so much at play and there's so much going on, it never feels like it's not messy. Like yeah. I'm never like okay, having a hard time. I have a hard time not explaining it, but processing it sometimes. But if you guys go back, I've always had a hard time processing King stuff on here. You know, like go back to watch the Mister Miracle review from way back. You know, 
Like that, that's just Tom King, I think. Um, although this one's a little bit more straightforward, I would I would say there's just there's a web almost. It, it this this book makes me the Charlie Day meme, of, <laughs> you know, all the all the webs and stuff. So. The, the the themes are so rich. There's a lot of layers at play, uh, yep. and the fact that we're now sort of tying in like what our main character is feeling about all these things and what he's taking from it without it actually just spelling it out completely clearly uh, adds a whole other bit of context to it. So I, I assume we're back to the investigation next issue and wherever he's yep. going next to like find out. Because he, he still mentions he has no idea why the old man's fingerprints match Kovacs. Kovacs, uh, right. You know, he doesn't know how she convinced him necessarily yeah. yet. So the, the one thing that got me is like, what if she's right and Kovacs' spirit does jump into these people like what if that's the twist at the end and we're like holy crap like you know like i'm not necessarily betting on that's gonna happen but like it definitely entered my mind when we got mm-hmm. to that like the fingerprints matching and again why him and he was a uh an artist right he did the the pontius pirate yep book and stuff so like it's just there's so much at play here now but i i really enjoyed this book yeah uh, so uh, yeah, the lesson I learned from this issue is that uh, the comedian was a horrible influence on another generation of people. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the main thing I took from it. Um, yep. So yeah, what are you giving Rorschach issue five? Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight point five. I'll give it eight point five. Uh, it's really, really uh, maybe one that I even think of fondly when the whole thing's done, and if I read it again, mm-hmm. maybe I'll I'll even be more positive on it. Uh, yeah. But I don't love it as much as the last. Like say two issues that were just even the last oh, two yeah. issues even yeah yeah but yeah we're we're bound to have like a a, a catch your breath kind of deal it's, where it, you have to reset some things I don't wait it may be my least favorite issue so far but but I feel it's even it like a really bad yeah it feels like a really mean thing to say though because I also no. think it's very rich in what it adds to the overall story so it feels like a, a needlessly mean thing to say when it doesn't really apply anyway uh eight point five for me as well so that's uh, mm-hmm. Rorschach. Well, that'll take us on to the Patreon book, everyone. To patreon.com slash TV. Uh, patrons at the higher tiers can make myself or Connor read a book. Uh, Connor's going to talk about Undiscovered Country, issue 12. Yes, and I'm going to keep it mercifully short for Matt because the hockey's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he's watching it or not. Uh, no, I, I, I am. Yeah, I am. Nice just scored yeah. on a power play. It's yeah, shocking. Yeah. It's, it's very so. rare, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, But I can actually keep it mercifully short pretty straightforward issue actually uh this is the end of the arc and it's you know there's not a whole lot of like weird exposition reveals you know talking about america like the last couple of issues have been not that they they were bad uh, they were good uh for what they were doing but this is a lot more to the point and it it basically opens with um oh the 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 unity uh woman whose name i have completely forgotten the, the one in charge of it all has created like copies of the whole group and uh as we learned last issue they can either walk through the you know, walk through the whole spiral and then when they get to the end they have to make a decision as to which zone is best for the outside world which one will contribute the most to global society and that's the one they'll go with and her plan is basically just right keep them all captive make the copies and get the copies just to choose unity and there you go jobs are good uh, so, of course, you know, they're fighting back. They're basically, they hook up, because they're, they're hooked into it all now as well, they access the brains of all the kids that they, they're using to harvest to power this. 
and they kind of enter this reality that the the child brains have either created for themselves or have been created for them. But it is this like you know it's just, it's just this little playground area, and the kids are really creepy because they're just outlines. Like, you know they they don't have features. They're like just sketch drawings. Um, they have eyes, but they have no other facial features. Uh, it's very creepy. Um, and, and basically, Charlotte, you know, things like, you know, when you're America, you know, you know I, I have a name. You, you, you all have names. You have lives that you should be able to live. And uh, it's up to you to kind of choose that for yourself. There's a really terrifying moment in the art, actually, where all these kids, that, you know, after she's made this speech to them, they're looking around to each other. And then you, you can see the confusion, which is incredible art in the body language of these kids, which are just outlines. You know, they, they literally just have eyes and nothing else at this point. And you can see the confusion on their faces. And then mouths start forming, you know, just slowly. And then you have this kind of where they, they've all had this like a black kind of outline, maybe a bit gray. Um, I, think, I think they were gray before. And they, they start to solidify here and they turn red and they get more defined features and they get these mouths and they just open in like a horror and it's it's legitimately creepy as shit it's a great panel and uh, you know it's basically the, the 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 kids which is you know all these brains that are powering this it's them rebelling and freeing themselves and shutting down the system which in turn frees our, our characters and it, you know, this breaks everything. Uh, the illusion, the you know, the, the copies that were created, which are talking to the Destiny Man, and they're in the process of saying, "We choose, you know, unity." And you know, Destiny Man's like, "Yeah, you sure you don't want to go through the spiral? You know, see the rest?" No, no, no. We, we, we're going to go with this. But then, this is as everything shuts down and they, you know, fade away. And so, ah, okay, I see what's happened here. Um, and alongside all of this, you have the Destiny Man fighting uh, the Unity. Um, in in their space because he's been infecting it and he's got such an imposing look right now he's got this kind of terrifying helmet with like these spikes on but they're they're asymmetrical he's got a giant like cult 45 uh and, and that's part of his speech going you know you know, you know technology has always been the forefront of, of america you were right about that but you were wrong about the aspects of technology what what it is is it's been the weapons you know the things that we could use that, that made us feared and obey, that thing made this, this country what it was. And his bullets are ICBMs, uh, which are, so he just has like a belt of them, uh, and he pulls off a couple of them, and he does fire them, and it, it actually shoots like a nuke uh, when, it, when it goes off, and it's incredible. Uh, but the only woman, as she's realized she's lost, uh, after in the digital space, Destiny Man chopped off her head, with his lobster claw hand, uh, which is a hell of a thing. Uh, great vision. I'm only half listening, and I heard cut off her head with his lobster claw hand, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a design for Destiny. I cannot overstate that enough. Um, but after she's lost, she's like, well, you might as well go through the rest of the spiral, and you know, I've got to have faith that when, by the time you get to the end, you'll agree that Unity was the best option, and we can move forward from that anyway. And so she sends them off with the uh, the original iPod, which is the key. And they're you know they're driving towards the door. And, you know there's the the blast of the nuke chasing them. They're trying to you know, outrun it basically. And they're like, right, okay, well, 
what song do we play? What's going to be the key opener? And they're like, oh, you know, we don't know. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a song, oh, you know, she blinded me with science. And they're like, that, that makes sense for uni. And they're like, no, no, fingers British, that won't be work. That, that won't you know, be it. And then they get to it, um, oh, yeah, there we go. Danny Elfman, born in LA, that'll be it. And it's a uh, uh, weird science from his uh, Oingo Boingo days. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, that'll be it. And, you know, hits play and the door opens. Through they go. Um, and we have a little, just a little snippet of Destiny Man uh, here at the end. Kind of, you know, uh, Uncle Sam being like, you know, congratulations, you kind of, you know, you, you won in unity, I guess. Uh, Aurora's obviously not happy about it, but here you are. Um, so you can stay here. Uh, you know, congratulations, this land is your land. And he uh, leaves Destiny Man just staring out of this desolate landscape that he's literally just new. Unity, which was this shining utopia, is gone. It's just this crumbling desert. Uh, and then the final bit that we get uh, is just the main group learning what their next episode uh, They're in the fourth theater. They're like, wait, are we going to get shot? And then curtain opens and they're on the pirate ship. I say pirate ship. That type of gallery. And, uh, you know, oh. have. I'm going to make a tap, will you? <laughs> it wasn't just I'm me. I'm glad he you was, said something. He was kind of dropping so out my, there, right? I thought my headphones were doing it. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I, I need new headphones. I'll it was, it was I'm like not going to say anything. Quieter, more muffled, and then words just started dropping out. Is that just like a gradual thing over this thing? Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's fine it. now. How strange. I'm not sure what caused that. Um, but anyway, they're, they're on this, you know, galleon. And... <laughs> this sounds so much better. <laughs> I literally didn't change a thing there, for the record. All I did is, you know, no idea. Um, but you have uh, Uncle Sam uh, being here, and he's in, like, a big, you know, big red trench coat, you know, big you know, like British Empire style. Um, so, yep, the only thing we're going to be thinking about now is adventure. And the way adventure is bolded makes me assume that adventure is what this zone is. Um uh, with the caveat that it says, uh, you know, the the ending little box is, you know, unity no more next possibility. So maybe possibility is the zone versus adventure. Um, I could see them going either way. Uh, really looking forward to the next out though. I think the second out really opened up what this book is, kind of what it's uh, the mission statement of uh, the story that it's telling. Um, that's pretty exciting going forward. Uh, art's great throughout again. Uh, yeah, I'm really into it. This is a solid. Uh, it's 8.5, this issue. Uh, I said, a lot more straightforward than the last couple, a lot less heavy exposition on the, the nature of America. And people just, you know, let's hit the conclusion to this arc strong. And it, it does. Yeah, I'm starting to think Skeveson, like, when Cora's talking for extreme amounts of time on his own. It, it could legitimately be that it's starting to think that it was background noise because it's like, okay, you know, it's it's filtering, going, okay, that's <laughs> consistent noise. I love the fact that his mic just is like, no, stop talking. No, it, it, like, it could be Skype <laughs> thinking that it's, okay, this is going on, so it must be part of the background noise that is waiting for me to talk above it. That tells you something about how dull your voice is. Don't do that with Matt. <laughs> well, no, mine just freaks out and goes uh, Brainiac mode. Yeah. Well, it does. Okay, so, it does that every hour or so, but it, it like it doesn't. It doesn't start to think that you're just so dull that oh, well, this is just this isn't real speaking. It's not zoning out. I I don't think Skype has the capability to judge dullness. I think it just judges the amount of noise. 
it's dullness. Escape noise, you're dull. So essentially, this is this is QR twenty one. I got got to recalibrate. CR. <laughs> yeah. CR. Whatever. It's mutated. <laughs> He's lost what it was by the end of the episode. Okay. It wasn't coming for that long. Bloody hell. Yeah. Well, it felt like an attorney. Uh, did you read it? Well, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Well, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we, uh, you know, pick our favorite Sarik, favorite panel slash morning, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. Uh, so we'll get straight into it then. Matt, what was your panel slash moment? Um, usually it's something from Rorschach, but this one was more of an understated. So I think I'm going to go with Justice League, the shot of them around the table mm. uh, at the end. I really like that uh, panel a lot. Uh, Connor? I'm going to go with something that was just an easily pleasing art moment uh, this week. Um, you know, sometimes you, you choose it for the, the context. Sometimes, like now, it's just because it was cool as shit. And I'm going from Justice League, but from the Justice League Dark Story. Mm-hmm. Zatanna riding the, the Ragman Dragon. I mean, it was a great moment to turn the page onto. I wasn't paying attention when you were talking about that, so this is news to me. Uh, Ragman Dragon. <laughs> well, you you can you see this panel when I post it on Twitter sometime in the week when I remember, and definitely not right before next week's show. Uh-huh. Uh... I don't know, you picked something from a Ram V book last time, he's going to think you're stalking him uh, if you keep tagging <laughs> oh, him. Oh shit, I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I probably I'm going with Rorschach, uh, I imagine, for this. Uh, I'm tempted to just go with the ending, because it just led to so much conversation that, uh, like, hard. That said, though, the full-page reveal of the uh, comedian painting, like the button painting above the desk, because we're talking, when I say big painting, I do mean big. We're, talk, we're talking like a really high ceiling and then this big square painting that's going all the way up to it. Uh, but I'll go with the ending. I'll go with the ending. Uh, Alright, cover of the week. I'll jump in first for this one. We'll go back around the way. Um, it's basically between, I think both Dark Detective covers are really good. What one's a uh, uh, Behermo cover, the variant? Uh, but the main one's the Dan Moore one, which is really, really pretty. Uh, I do love the main Rorschach cover, though, which is just, it's almost like the classic kind of apocalypse now, the sun in Vietnam, except there's a giant mm-hmm. Manhattan silhouette walking past the sun. Yeah, that was really, pretty cool. It's really simple and effective. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the regular, the Dark Detective cover as my pick, but those were the three that I was debating. Uh, what about you, Connor? Uh, I think you've picked out a lot of good covers there. Um, you know, sometimes I'll not really agree with, you know, some covers, but I think they were all good choices. Um, I think the ones I want to highlight on top of those are the uh, the Superwoman uh, variant. That's really nice. And then both of the Superman Wonder Woman covers. You got a Lee Weeks one and a Dodson's cover uh, for the main and variant, respectively. Um, I'm going to go with the main cover for the, the Lee Weeks. I think that's really nice. But, I mean, a lot of good covers this week all around, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Matt? And I'm going to be a self-parody and have to go with the Dotsons, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman. I'll be honest, part of me left that just because I was like, that's probably going to pick that. Yeah, I mean, that's also Jara. Like, I got I to gotta take Jara where I can get her. So. All right. Uh, best art of the week, Connor? Uh, ooh. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Superwoman. I think that's really nice. Oh. Oh. Screw you. That's a bad I've got no taste. taste. A bad taste in my mouth. Uh, what are my choices here? Uh, Mora on Dark Detective, 
Yeah. Uh, but it's Rorschach. It's Jorge yeah, Fornes. I, <laughs> I, I could have predicted that. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I hate to pick Rorschach for everything this week, but the art is phenomenal. And it's Fornes is a uh, damn fine artist. I will not say yep. a bad word about him. Yeah, Matt? Uh, yeah, it's Fornes, but I also wanted to highlight the uh, Justice League team, both, both books, or both stories. I like the art. It's real good. And then, of course, Superwoman. Uh, art's really pretty. It's probably the best thing I liked about the book. But yeah, it's Rorschach. Uh, Connor? I started this. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I did Superwoman. Well, no, you, you, you were like, ugh. That, you know, that's right, you're right, you're right. I mean, you make things are dull. I think you're forgettable. <laughs> this is the... I'm, I'm gonna choose oh, I've to heard the song before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to choose to think you thought that book was forgettable, and that's all it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, top five books of the week then, Matt. You can take it away. All right, so number one's going to be Rorschach. Two's going to be Justice League. Three, Superman, Wonder Woman. Four is Dark Detective. And five, Superwoman. I meant Wonder Woman. Uh, Dark Detective is four. And Superwoman is five. Carter? Uh, Superman, Wonder Woman for one. And then Superwoman uh, to Justice League. And then I, I guess Dark Detective comes in fourth. Yeah, uh, really a weird uh, week for me because uh, I would put Rorschach number one and then uh, I'll go Dark Detective at number two then Justice League. Oh, run right, on. Nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, then Justice League. Then Super, Superman, Wonder Woman. And then I guess Teen Titans. Uh, what's left? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I had a really weird weekend. There was a couple of things I really liked, and then there was a couple of things I really didn't like, and then there was a couple of things that I just took one look at and went, "Otherwise, read this." So it was quite a big drop between your top couple and then the yeah. next ones. So, but uh, a odd week, but hey. Uh, so there you go. Those those are our picks of the week. Um, I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. We have a Batman Catwoman issue three. We got Future State, the next Batman. Which, by this is the last week of Future State. Uh, as a regular week. Obviously, there's a couple of... Uh, le- le- Actually, no, it's not. What am I talking about? The second last week. The week after that. Yeah, it's the week after that's the last week. I literally just checked the date. I was like, for, what the hell? For some reason, for some reason, I, I thought it was week three this week. I don't know why, but anyway. I think I think what happened is you saw four for the next Batman. I know, I went, oh, that's I know. finishing. That must be the end. Yeah. Anyway, Batman Catwoman issue three, Future State next Batman issue four, Future State Nightwing issue two, Future State Immortal Wonder Woman issue two, Future State Superman Worlds of War issue two, Future State Catwoman issue 2, Future State Shazam issue 2, Truth and Justice issue 1, and then if it really tickles your fancy, Scooby-Doo, where are you? 108. Uh, so that's what's coming next week. I, I just realized there is the possibility now that I could pick a Ram V moment for panel of the week in all three weeks in a row. Uh, well, yeah, Catwoman. You better do it. Yeah, Catwoman was very good last month, so I'm expecting good things from this Catwoman book. Yeah, me too. But then, there, there, then yeah. Superman, Worlds of War, that main story. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that might pinch it. Yeah, very well, mate. Uh, so that is what's coming in next week. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. Uh, they are Patreon producers, meaning they are $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. At the $5 tier, you get a day early access to the podcast. Uh, you also get a month early access to previously in the multiverse, which has returned. 
Uh, it's not, it's, the episodes haven't been public yet, but the first couple back are up for patrons. Uh, so you can check those out at the $5 tier. Uh, but they'll be coming uh, in uh, in March, I assume. Yes. As everyone's camera goes out. Uh, <laughs> Skype just had a moment, apparently. So you know, yeah, so you know how uh, Connor's mic thinks he's, it's, he's dull? Uh-huh. My, my camera decided y'all have seen enough of me. Uh, yeah, so Skype apparently. was just like, this has gone on long enough. Just, yeah. just end this now. Yes. Well, right at the end. I'm, I'm, I'm literally plugging things. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I just keep in mind as we approach to fifty, we are going to do a top fifty DC characters vote that you all can take part in. Uh, the voting for that will take place uh, during March. So uh, maybe start thinking about it if you want to. Uh, otherwise, you can catch us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, get updates there. You can ask us questions if. Or ask us for updates or, or whatever. Uh, and usually if there is anything to uh, inform you about, we do put stuff out there. Like, for example, if for some reason the show's going to be delayed this week or something, uh, it'll all be on the Twitter. So uh, go and uh, follow us on there. Um, otherwise, I think that's pretty much it. That's, that's, that's the episode. That's episode 240. Uh, so we're getting up there in the numbers. And, and uh, hopefully you've been enjoying Future State, although I think we're all a little bit ready to get back to regular in continuity books there's some good books mm -hmm. that we're all enjoying but I'm, I'm missing ongoing series yes i mean and plus march starts the taylor run on nightwing which is like exciting I mean, it's, it's all it's almost weird how i've kind of forgotten about it when it really is kind of the most exciting thing in a while <laughs> i think the thing is there's so much starting like there's so much changing that march in general and onwards over the next few months there's new books every month for the, you know the, March, April, and May, that it just feels exciting. Mm hmm. But yeah, so there you go. That's what's coming up. That's episode 240 of the Comics from the Multiverse, the DC Comics podcast. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And only you can prevent CR 21.